de, de, de Colores Radio. De, de, de Colores Radio. Hi, hello, bienvenidos. Welcome to De Colores Radio. This is episode 55, and it is technically our second year doing this thing. Woo! Is it? Yeah, like our... Officially on this day that this episode will come out, it'll be our two years. Yeah, like a little bit before that, but it's okay. No pressure. No pressure. We've just been doing this thing for two years, so that's cool. Congrats, team. We did it. Yay! Wow, the enthusiasm is raging. My teeth, I'm smiling. Nobody could see it. My teeth, showing. My teeth I'm were smiling. showing. My teeth are showing. Thank I was you, Pat. Thank you. Um, how's everyone? <coughs> same. Literal <coughs> same. Good. I feel like every two months I'm congested on here. Um, but thank you all so much for listening. I'm your host, Eva Arreguin. And with me is Retweet himself, Rafael Tamayo. Hi. Wow. Okay. Um, so hi, Rafa. How are you? I'm good. I'm hanging in there. Same. Retweet. Am I Retweet. right? Retweet. Thank you so much. <laughs> so we, um, 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 Rafa, I feel like we're kind of going through it again. And I want to understand what you're really going through. What's your internal temperature? I want to give... Is that really? Damn. I was trying to take it away from the one where I said, let's get deep. I want to give our listeners an insight into our personal energy, into how we are feeling right now, into the reality of our existence. That's right. We're translating our feelings in the best way we know how. Memes. It's time for me mood. Go, Rafi. Um... I mean, I could go with an obvious Game of Thrones meme. You should. Should I? You're pretty obvious with your memes. Cool. Emma? Sorry, no shade, but like... Wow. All the shade. So there's one that's like a recap of episode two, and it won't be a spoiler if you haven't seen it, but it's like an episode two spoilers with no context. Okay, I actually really liked that one because I understood it. Yeah. And so it has a woman holding up a man against a fence and making out with him. It has um, a scene from SpongeBob. They're all sitting a around a campfire. Yeah. It has Barack Obama giving Ellen the medal. <laughs> and then it has Stone Cold Steve Austin. That was silly. I had to think about that one a little bit. With milk all Is over that all his happening shirt. in the same? Okay. I was like, that yeah, it's just like those cheesy collages. Yeah. So, um, Pat, you're going to give us a me mood today. So I hope you're ready. Are you ready? No. Okay, great. My me mood um, is that video of that man in the car where he like laughs nervously and then looks at side really harshly. Do you know what I'm talking about? He like Mm-mm. side eyes the person. I'll have to find it. I'll repost it. He's just like, <laughs> then he like turns away. Like, what the fuck is this person talking about? Retweet. That's how I felt a lot in life lately. Um, so that's my me mood. And we always try to share them on our personal Twitter accounts, or at least I do because I actively tweet. Um, wow, I tweet too. You I've, just creep. I also retweet. Uh, okay, Pat, do you have a me mood or are we passing you? I wasn't prepared. I didn't know this was happening today. You didn't okay. know we were recording today? No, but I didn't know I was going to be asked to get a me mood, so I don't I haven't been on the internet at all today, so I don't know. Oh, She's sweating bullets, y'all. 
That's really? your main mood. Jordan Peele, sweating bullets. Yay. Boom. Yeah, I have nothing. Oh, uh, okay. The only time Sorry, I ever got Pat. on the internet was looking for uh, Avengers Endgame tickets. And I didn't That's really probably a mean move in itself, honestly. I think everybody, like, I, well, because I was going to go the week after. Oh, all right. Well, thanks for sharing. Yeah. Um, last episode, we wrapped up to Unforce Alina and we said goodbye to Dirk. And today, y'all are in for a treat. We brought in someone doing incredibly pivotal work here in the state of Texas and beyond. We have Mercedes Fulbright with us a little later on. Let's jump into the episode because as you can tell, we have allergies attacking us. So we really shouldn't be doing too much. I'm fine. Okay. You ready? Yes. Lovely. Let's go. This is the juice where we cover the latest gossip on pop culture, politics, news, and more. All right. So um, as you all know, we like to start with the rough news. And in America, there's always rough news, okay? Um, Get. (laughs) Wow, you just choked after that. All right. So um, I want to start with this story that's kind of been a couple weeks now, but it's still really important to discuss and um that is the unfortunate um beating of a trans woman in south dallas south oak cliff south south oak cliff sorry more specifically um and um i hate how not surprising this these headlines are um alongside that i believe there was a young a young um gay boy named Nigel who also I believe committed suicide um, because of bullying and so I put these alongside each other just to remind um, all of our listeners how serious it is that we protect these communities that are often um, basically wearing armor even just being present right like their survival is not guaranteed um in a society um and 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 in the world really nobody really ah i just it's really heartbreaking i know um malaysia booker i believe is her name um whenever she finally was able to hold a press conference she um, basically said, I am lucky enough to be able to be here to even give this, to give this, um, speech, but most people in my case are not, um, this is in South Oak Cliff. This is not far from us. It was at right outside of an apartment complex. And so obviously it reached national headlines. And so I get really frustrated because, Again, Dallas has so much potential and it likes to play off as this really liberal city, but it's like this shit does not this this shit does not stop in places like ours. Um and I I I think we have to remember that we're in the south and a lot of the south is rooted in Christian tradition and so a lot of um I would say men especially have a lot of uh homophobia, transphobia, Um, It's even in in families of color. And so sometimes it feels like even more so. And I feel like I'm rambling a little bit. 
So if anybody else wants to jump in, feel free. Um, it's heartbreaking to see these stories always. And I say this because it takes holding our families and people accountable and and reminding people that that these people are the top communities that are being murdered or committing suicide. And that's all for living their own truth. And that's really really pathetic to see and we have to do better as a people to help support these communities and um and a quick side or not side note but a quick note to the people that are like well that's not my community or i don't have to worry about that or what does that have to do with me if i'm a straight hetero or if i'm whatever and i'm not a part of that technically yes you are um it, it's as easy as the way you discuss topics like these so when when you advance like a stereotype that is or you advance a prejudice against a people, um, you're making that problem worse. You're creating the issue. So you're adding on to this environment that, you know, is, is one already where, hostile towards them. Right. Where these people cannot live out their lives like you're right. The way they choose to live their lives, the way, you know, that they play out. You know, their destiny has absolutely no room for your say. But the sad reality is how you react and the opinions that you put out there, even if it's just with family and friends, ultimately create this momentum against people that end up living in fear. So, yes, you can do something and it, and it can be as little as understanding what, what the issue of it is and knowing that even just like fanning the flames a little bit um, does more danger to, right. to these communities than, than you might well be aware of. Right. And in the case of Malaysia Booker, it was just, I guess someone bet $200 that he wouldn't beat this trans woman. And that's fucking disgusting. Um, and in the case of uh, Nigel Shelby, I believe is his last name. Um, he was just a 15 year old in Alabama. Um, so, we are very much so in the South. This stuff doesn't just happen in the South. However, um, it is critical for us to stand up for their rights, even in your family spaces. Make your families uncomfortable. I literally like I my family knows how I feel and I will not sit in a conversation if they're just going to be saying um, stupid shit, basically. Um, again, a lot of this to me comes from a Christian base. Uh, right. So it gets really difficult to even be able to navigate that dichotomy. Um, however, a misunderstood Christian base, I should say, yes. I, I should I, because I do feel like um, there are some people out there that at least understand uh, a, a large part do not. Right. But um, I had an interesting conversation a few days ago about, well, if you're working for justice for someone and you end up like really embodying the same type of behavior but on the opposite end like what is it that you're really doing mm -hmm. um and so the conversation is very complex and complicated and layered and heavily nuanced with all kinds of things but i think that it's important to understand the the environment that makes this like persistent and like how do we actually have a healthy conversation where we address you know our position right yeah, it gets it's super interesting. Um, and I say this and I always remind people. Well, I always remind maybe like my mom, for instance, um, like 
I came from a very Catholic base. Like I know what your logic is. I know what your church preaches. I understand that. Um, but I think life and love. And if, even if you want to go from a Jesus Christ perspective, like Jesus himself was friends with all the outcasts. Right. So Mm -hmm. I'm just like the, their, their narrative is so nuclear family bullshit. And it's so, it's so unhealthy. And, um, Ugh, it's just so frustrating. And so we were just kind of um, talking about, I guess, climate change and taking care of the earth right now. But it's like we keep we have so many issues happening that it's like we can't even focus on one because we're not nothing is right. Nothing is well. And I think um, that's personally to me what white supremacy has created um, throughout the world. Um, So to continue with that. Um, to continue with, uh, more white supremacy, I, I want to point out how fascinating it was to see how people reacted to Notre Dame burning, um, as opposed to, uh, these stories that were barely even in the headlines of churches like in Louisiana that were, uh, historically black churches that were getting burned down and not getting any attention. And then more recently now, um, for the unfortunate events that happened in Sri Lanka. So um, I kind of first witnessed this or realized it more when that Paris <laughs> bombing happened a few years ago and everybody was changing their Facebook mm. profile photo to like the red, white, and blue one with the mm. flag. And I was just like, this makes me so uncomfortable. But it really, I just want to remind you all to take a look inside because we're all guilty of what we're actually paying attention to, what we're actually sending our money to, what we actually care about. Um, Because again, that is us uplifting these predominantly white uh, historical places or things that get credit or are considered high art or fine places because of what Eurocentric ways have taught us. Um, literally speaking as someone who went to Notre Dame, took a picture and did not give a rat's ass. Really. I was like, Oh, where's the, where's Esmeralda from the movie? Like, that's what I wanted when I was there. But it was like, you choose what you give attention to. You choose what you uphold. Um, and so I really think we need to be more mindful of that. If we're not already, I feel like our listeners are there. Um, but I, I just I find that so devastating. And there's so many ways that we have to unlearn and relearn and unpack um, what we what we care about. So now to move on to early voting here in the city of Dallas has begun. Have you all voted? Not yet. I don't vote. OK, great. We're going to end the podcast. It's <laughs> okay. uh, <laughs> correct. Yourself. But you can go to the certain libraries to go vote <coughs> early. Yes, you can, Pat. Um, So I just want to remind you all, early voting has started. It goes until April 30th. I recommend you all do this because the only other day to vote is May 4th up until runoff elections, which will that will come later on. And it will come later on because there's 20,000 people running for mayor in the city of Dallas. Um, And then, yeah, I um, I've already told you all who I want you all to vote for. I think I can say it on here again um, because I want to and you, I'm allowed you think, to. You think you can say it on your podcast? Yeah, I can. <laughs> well, y'all know why I said that. 
Um, but um, yeah, Giovanni Valderas is running for District One, which is North or- North Oak Cliff here. Um, if you drive down Zang, you'll see how many new random apartments that nobody that lives around here can actually afford are now up. And a lot more of that will probably be happening if y'all elect a, um, well-off, uh, white man that really does not understand what the Oak Cliff culture is. Um, and I'm really not saying that just to be mean and shady, but it's very obvious that he is just doing this to benefit himself And I think it's really critical we have someone who also questions the system like Giovanni does, and he does it well. And we had him on the show, and I'm not just saying it because he was on the show, but I'm able to even have conversations like anti-blackness within the Latino community and uh, white passing privilege within the Latino community and conversations such as those with someone like this. And I think that's really critical to have on the horseshoe here in Dallas, which is our city council. Um, If you don't know, city council makes most of the most important decisions here in Dallas. And if we really want to start being able to protect our trans communities, our queer communities, these people that are under attack and getting money to the right places that deserve um, and need funding and, and need to be taken care of and to advance our city forward, I would consider voting for him. So that is my little spiel as far as that goes. Um, I know I like Omar Narvaez as well. That's the only one I would probably tell y'all from there, help figure it out from there on. Those are the only two I personally know um, that I think would be and are great fits for our city because we have so much damn work to do. And I, I think people like this are a bare minimum what we need there. Um, so I think that's all I have for early voting locally. Um, I don't really care about anyone that much presidentially as well. I know I saw that Elizabeth Warren, um, she said student loans are canceled. I was like, where's my where's my ballot? <laughs> where <I> sign <laughs> up? <laughs> so obviously that's cool. And I apparently some people were shady and mad because they were like, Wait, I already paid mine. And I was like, are y'all for real? Like I didn't I couldn't even fathom I wish, people. I wish that could have been my thing. I didn't even know people could be so selfish. But I think with Elizabeth, I can't get over the fact that she like the whole um, native Oh, yeah. claiming native when yeah. native peoples were like Gnosis. Like I can't get She's over really that. trying to get over that with the student loan. Cause <laughs> it's not, it's, I don't think it, that'll ever happen. Right. Cause like if you die, they still go like, they still, they still try to recollect the money. Like in the afterlife, they go for you there and they're Are like, Hey, yeah. Like they for find you, loans? they find you in the afterlife and they're like, Hey, you forgot to pay. Shut up. You got to come Shut back. Up. I hate you. I was like, Are you for real? <laughs> I don't know. The government might do that. They might, I've been watching the OA, so oh, I've been Christ. super interdimensional afterlife. Um, anyways, I don't know who I would vote for. For well, um, Ralph Nader just announced. Yikes! That- There's there apparently is a bunch of new people that entered. I don't even know. There is. I wish I could help you more there. I'm sorry. I don't believe politicians are amazing people. I think they are people that are in it for themselves and they're trying to make themselves look good for us to believe that they are there for us so for 2020 we recommend anarchy (laughs) oh (laughs) you said it Um, anarchy jesus christ um yeah so this podcast is going really well today um we will continue now to much more light subjects which i will let rafa lead because it's his fave go ralphie the north remembers 
And that's all. Thank you so much. Yes, that is all. All right. Go ahead. <clears throat> so episode two of Game of Thrones. Um, this was like the last episode before the big fight, before the big war. Um, and war? it delivered. <laughs> war. It was pretty good. Yeah. Um, man, it's... And I hate thinking that... I, these will be spoilers, but who's I, not gonna die? That's what I want to know. No one's died yet. We have like this little. They're bracket. about to all die this well, upcoming week, or become whites. Are we talking about Game of Thrones? Too? Yeah, White yes. Walkers, Pat. White it's Walkers. a little bit different. Yeah, but it's like whites versus white supremacy. No, I thought that in my head while watching, and I was like, "Is this too much?" It oh. might be. It's fine. You know, they're scared <laughs> of black people. It's whatever. No biggie. <coughs> Um, I just, I've always loved Arya from the beginning when I watched it like four years ago before yeah. I fell off again. Um, that, so I will say Arya's scene with Gendry was difficult to watch. Why was it? See, I think that's annoying. Why is it difficult to watch? What's difficult about it? Because, um, in my eyes, I still see this. See, but that's the problem with how, how people look at girls. She's like a young teen woman. Teen teenagers have sex all the time. So then, like, because we've seen this, she was a kid when we met her, right? Right. So, and like, how old is Gendry? I know, but like, come on, like, she's so you're just okay sex. with that, but you're not okay no, with like don't a do mo- that. Don't I'm, do that. No, I'm saying, like, I'm not saying that it's perfectly okay. It was difficult for me to watch because, in my eyes, someone like Gendry had already gone through certain phases of his life to where he was a little more advanced, and it felt like. Like, maybe he should have known better than to be like, yeah, I'm going to give in to Arya because of whatever. Whether so it's- you were b- disturbed because he's older, not because she's having sex? No, like, Arya, do your thing. Arya's going to do whatever the hell she wants. That's why I love Arya. Uh-huh. But to me, it's... <laughs> To me, it's like, um, I don't like it was difficult to watch one because of that. And then when you see children grow up and you see them go through life you see them become adults right like it's just hard to accept that it's weird but i do think because she's a young girl we saw become like a lady Mm. everybody was freaking out on the internet like oh my god i didn't want to watch that that's so weird and i'm like why is it weird because it's a young girl and we see them as like innocent even though this bitch been a bad bitch since the beginning and literally murdering people left and right the most gruesome deaths but because she I mean, decided I don't think, to have sex on but her I don't own think terms. Viewer, but viewers wouldn't have viewers definitely wouldn't have been okay if she had sex literally the first time she killed a person. Right, but it's still like I don't know. So I thought when that is was when is it supposed to be okay? Are you asking me? I don't care. I was ready for her to fuck. That's what I'm saying. That's where the opinion thing comes into play, where you literally translate something that you experience like in your real life in the real world, and then translate it to characters that are make believe. Right. But I think people were just uncomfortable <clears throat> because it was more so what you were saying, which is like this young girl they saw grow and have. Well, sex. yeah. I mean, I was like, which for I, me, I'm like, no, let her. Like, if it's a young woman who wants to have sex, and I even saw right. a post that was like. All the women on this show are constantly like trigger warning, raped, and all these horrible circumstances when they have sex. For so, for this one character to actually to take her, take yeah, her no, no, own, no. I was like, go off, like do no, what you that gotta part do. of it. I'm like, yeah, because Arya, like honestly, Arya is one of my favorite characters because of that. I don't give a fuck. I'm gonna do what I want. This is what I'm going after, and I'm gonna find a way to do it. 
type of attitude and that what's what makes her cool but in the same regard like it was difficult to watch that scene it was difficult for me to even think of like Sansa with Tyrion or for me to like know that that fool um, had like uh, um, from the Red Wedding had like all these wives and had all these kids and he's like bringing all these young girls in and he's super old so to yeah. me like that you know it's nice to see a flipped script yeah. on that but it still made me uncomfortable because of, you know, other other factors. Not because Arya's like, okay. you know, wanting to explore that. I know, but you know most people are like that. They were disturbed because we don't want to see young girls, um, like, reclaim <coughs> their own sexuality. Yeah, no, I don't. That's Anyways, not. Anyways, this conversation could have gone a lot of ways, and it went this one. <laughs> it did. <laughs> and it's going over my but, head. Oh, well, see, and I only watched, like, the first uh, season, and then I watched the last season. So, like, some of the shit that's happening, I'm like, oh, I think that's... Oh, I remember that guy's face. Oh, there's Razor So, Bran. you didn't see like, the in-between seasons? No. You didn't see Arya grow up? But, like, I knew she was a young girl. I saw her kick She was, ass. like, a kid. She was, like... I know, I know. I watched the first a season. A child. But I also... A young lad. <laughs> when I was a yeah. young warthog. Um... What else did I think was interesting? I think Brienne, is that her name? Brienne of she's fucking gonna die. Tarth. Everyone is saying that. I think she's going to die. I can feel it. They're they're giving her too much love at the I'm end. I'm just really happy that is she that became a knight. I know. This is definitely spoilers, so um, Pat, you'll forget it. It all doesn't they don't even have names I remember some of the times. Um, I also felt Jessica, I was like, "Ooh, they're going to make love." And Jessica's like, "He don't have a dick." I was like, "Oh, so gray worm or theon the one black guy in the show he's not he's not the only black guy in the show oh, um, that i've gray seen worm. okay yeah. sorry well, that look seen. at you defending all three characters that are black there's there's four <laughs> jesus christ <laughs> anyways it's very entertaining i can't wait to see the dragons with their avocados um it's a entertaining show or whatever i'm kind of ready for it to be over so we can move on to the next big thing is that bad I'm tired We're of not ready for it. I'm not ready for it to be over. I like, but it's because I'm not a stand now. Because there's huh? just like literally so many memes and things, and I'm like, I don't even know anymore. Yeah. and I don't even like being on it's Twitter cool. on like Sundays. We can Monday. take more time on every episode to talk shit about it and how much we don't like it. If y'all want, oh my god, are you okay? Hater, y'all sound like some haters I right now. I just said it's entertaining. We I can't, like watching it's it. It's entertaining, but we can't wait for it to be over. Because we need something new and fresh. I'm sad because he's raised taking like a hiatus from Insecure. Oh, well, maybe Yay. they can hire me. Hey, HBO. Yay. Come back in four years and give us a four episode season. Yikes. Are you okay, Ralphie? Tell us how you really <coughs> I'm feel. I'm still mad that the Insecure seasons are so damn short. They are short as shit. And short episodes, short seasons. Anyways, clearly we have a lot of issues here. Um... Let's keep moving. We are. I'm enjoying Game of Thrones. Okay. I just can't wait for it to finish. Yeah, I can't wait. <laughs> I just like fresh. Okay. <coughs> um. So, Lizzo, my girl Lizzo, um, released her album "Cause I Love You," and it went to number one that day, which was really awesome, and I was very excited for her. And then this was kind of interesting. I don't know if y'all heard about this, but. I guess she got like a mediocre review from someone yesterday and she got really salty, um, which that was also really unfortunate to see because 
that she got a, a bad review or that she, she got It was salty? not even a bad review. It was a mediocre, mediocre. review. But what, what was bad to see? To me, I don't. I felt sad seeing her saltiness. Oh, like, okay. I think that's fair, right? Like, hell, when we got the one star, we were like, what the fuck, right? Yeah. But at the same time, like, to me, it's always a reason to, like, take it, you know? Like, especially if they're offering, like, good advice. Mm-hmm. Our review, they were just like, no reason. It's not good. And I was like, huh? Yeah. But, like, this person genuinely seemed to be offering some advice to her. Um, and she reacted really terribly. And she was like, if you don't make music you shouldn't be reviewing music. And I'm like, girl, what kind of logic? So I adore Lizzo. I mm-hmm. truly, and I say that from like the bottom of my heart. Cause y'all know I've been riding with Lizzo for a long time. It is incredible to see her and to see her blow up and to see the music she's doing because it's so, so, so freaking rare. This is the first time in my life. I have seen a fat body that is Brown celebrated ever in my fucking life. So Lizzo means so much to me for that reason. Um, and more, um, because as a black woman, she is killing the game and does a lot more and has to go even above and beyond to even get the recognition that she is. Mm -hmm. Um, and so I guess that's where it brings you back to that reality of this, like stardom, right? When you see this person kind of like react in this way, um, which is fair. You're allowed to have feelings and not be pleased, but don't, I don't know. To me, I'm like, it's expected. Like anytime you release anything into the world, it's rare to get nothing but positive reviews. So yeah. I don't know. I don't know if y'all have any feelings there. Anybody else? I mean, it's human. I think uh, when when you're... It's like just defensive, I guess. Yeah. And like if you literally put your all into something and you've done it for so long and you feel like you've literally sacrificed so much to right. create something and then someone can easily just come in and say, this is what I find wrong with it and this is ways to improve it. Like I... I definitely don't hold it against her because it's understandable right. to to have that type of reaction. But at the same time, it's like, well, you know, you, you if it's expected, then at least you should approach, you know, your reactions with some kind of regard right. for that. But um, I mean, it. Yeah, I mean, I, I don't I can't think of anyone that I wouldn't expect that type of reaction out of. And even the people that I would hold, you know, in the highest of pedestals. For sure. So that was just interesting to see because Norm, I haven't seen her react in that way at all. Mm-hmm. Usually, like I'm, I don't know, not to say she's perfect, no one is, but I was just like kind of surprised um, by her reaction. Um, maybe she's just having a rough day. I don't know. It's fair. We're human, um, but I still want to congratulate her because she did release a great album. Um, I definitely saw some of what they were talking about. I'm not going to pretend that I thought it was perfect because. Um, there is a lot of corn in there and by corn, I mean corny, (laughs) but some of it I really, really obviously connected to. Um, so I'm grateful to her for her work and her craft in doing that. Um, but more importantly, not more importantly, I shouldn't compare. Okay. I'm sorry. She can't be subtle about it now. (laughs) Might as well. Come on. My eyes are watering right now. Okay. So allergies or probably you're right. Um, I'm just really happy because um, Beyonce blessed us with homecoming last week. And then today, which this you'll hear this in two days, she finally put Lemonade on Spotify. And I used to ask Rafa for his title login just so I could listen to Lemonade because I was a poor bitch. And now I get to listen to Lemonade on Spotify like a rich bitch. 
and I'm very grateful that she finally gave it to us three years later. Um, but I, it's also really fascinating to see the fucking power this woman has in like um, everything she does. Did you watch the documentary? I did not. Okay, because you hate me. <laughs> <laughs> Pat watched it. Um, I I thought What'd it you was. Think of it, Pat. It's terrible. <laughs> wow. Just kidding. Are we talking about Game of Thrones? It would be like that five. The, the three people that said they hate Beyonce. No, it was really good. I liked seeing the behind the scenes stuff. I wanted more of that. Yeah. I, I probably like you only get little tiny glimpses of like the work she put into it. Yeah. And I feel like she could have given us more, but she mostly just gave us the concert just from different shot angles, Mm -hmm. which I love the concert. I watched it several times prior. So I was like, ooh, and I got to see some new things I hadn't seen before, but I definitely wanted more. The one complaint or thing I had um, was when she was talking about her diet plan and she was like, no fish, no this, no dairy, no alcohol, no this, no this. And at the end, she's like, I'm hungry. And it's like, I know she's, I think she's trying to be funny. Like I get it. But at the same time, I'm like, girl. And even like my other friends were like, um, that's mad unhealthy to be like sharing that and like kind of making it seem light when she's basically saying she wanted to fit into all her costumes and her, um, so I, I'm, I think I'm confused. It's cause on the documentary, she says that when she gave birth to the twins that she weighed 218 pounds. I don't remember or something like that. Around. And then she goes into it to say about her diet plan. Wanting and how to lo- these wanting to lose weight. Correct. And wanting to lose okay. weight and to prepare for Coachella. To weight. And what? Return back to her like healthiest weight. And in doing that, she... Cut all that stuff out. Which was healthy stuff. No, it wasn't healthy stuff necessarily. It was just a bunch of stuff. It basically sounds like she goes vegan and no alcohol. So she just... She didn't say vegan, but it's like almost all... Like, no dairy, no this, no that. Mm. Um, So it's not bad, per se, but to basically, at the end, she says, I'm hungry. And so my friend hit me up, and she was like, she seems like she's starving herself. And I was like, I don't think she's starving herself. Like, I'm sure she has the best chefs in the world, like, cooking healthy-ass food for her. Mm -hmm. And so she was probably trying to make light of it by saying I'm hungry. But at the same time, when you're the biggest star in the world, and you're still relaying this message to... um you know, all your viewers, followers, supporters, whatever, that you still have to fit this certain look, weight, um, et cetera, to be successful. Um, so that was, I don't know. That's a further conversation to have. I think that was the only part that made me kind of cringe a little bit. Mm-hmm. Um, but that's also cause I am pro you can be fat and you're still healthy and still beautiful, which a lot of people are not because most people are fat phobic. Um, but I guess that's an interesting difference between like your Lizzo and your Beyonce's cause Lizzo is healthy and works out constantly and all that as well. Um, whereas Beyonce kind of showed us, Hey, I have to completely stop eating all this food and I'm hungry in order to fit the look I want to be and feel the healthiest way I want to feel. Um, so that was literally my only complaint about the doc- it wasn't a complaint about the documentary i don't know that it's even a complaint i think it's just something i found fascinating um and and really <coughs> like i don't know a little bit unfortunate i guess um i definitely wanted more behind the scenes i love learning about the background dancers and everything like that um and i guess with both of these stars that we're wrapping up with um it's important to recognize 
the power of the black woman. Um, because, uh, you know, we talk about it often on this show, but I think it's only because that's all the credit they're due and so much more that we don't give them. Um, so I just want to remind everybody that because probably half the phrases you're saying and half the styles you're taking and half the music you listen to was probably all made and or inspired by or stolen by from um, black women. So that's just your friendly neighborhood reminder. Uh, I think that's all I have for the juice. Does anybody have anything else? Nay. Pat? Oh, did you want to talk about your climate change girl? Sure. Go go ahead, bud. Greta Thunberg. Tell us more. I think I got her name right. That sounds right. Greta Thunberg. I think she's 16. She's from Sweden. She had started a strike for climate movement um, for last Earth year. Day? Oh, just kidding. Yeah, last, I want to say fall of last year. Uh-huh. And then um, she would go out and protest in front of parliament. Became a big movement. And then I want to say, you know, kids all over the world, over a million people joined her in protesting, you know, this strike for climate thing. And so... Um, she's been like nominated by Sweden for the Nobel Peace Prize. She's won all these awards. And so she'll talk about it. She says that she's really grateful for, for these awards. But ultimately, she uh, somebody had asked her about climate change. And she heard about it when she was like six or seven. And she was confused because she didn't see a whole lot of action. And so now, you know, she's a 16-year-old. And she just spoke at British Parliament and gave this really powerful, impactful speech about... <laughs> How if nothing is done by 2030, there will be a chain of events that will be irreversible and ultimately mean the demise of like the human civilization. And so she highlights really light stuff, really light stuff, a child, mind you, um, highlighting these things that in reality are, you know, what what could be the end of us. Um, She says things like, you know, a small group of people in exchange for large amounts of money are going to ruin our civilization and you know all these things when you told us that the sky was the limit and that you only live once all of that was a lie because our generations won't our generation won't be able to actually live um and sustain on on what you have left for us and so uh i was just saying it's it's important to have these conversations we're talking about climate change and and you know the environment and all these other uh, topics uh, regarding that and I know I make jokes about recycling which I still have a very strong position on it's just not what the ordinary person would consider like a positive outlook on recycling although I feel like some of the things that we do as a society are counterproductive to ultimately bettering the earth when it comes to recycling but that is something that we can discuss on another episode that would be probably just as long as a regular one um, we should do an us. environment episode we should um, but in having the discussions, there are some things that are undeniably happening that need to change drastically, and um, it, it, it's it's going to take all of us. So I think of this often, right? Because I I I bring it up often because I'm like, if we're not taking care of this, none of this is even going to matter because no one's going to be in existence because it's we're going to die. Mm-hmm. Um, but I'm like, okay, so does that lean back to like? we want to hold these big companies accountable, right? Cause they have a lot more usage of things, um, than just a household does. Um, so then it goes back to, again, like, does it become a policy conversation? Like who you vote in, who actually cares to prioritize it? Or like, what do we look to when we're doing our own personal recycling at home, but that can only make 
a literal ounce of a difference. Like it makes such a minimal well, difference then, that and, some people say it doesn't even help. But that's the thing. Like it, we need to completely understand or, or not even completely, but understand to the point of we actually see the results of what we're doing because recycling at home right. could be counterproductive. If you're smashing cans, ultimately those cans that are being smashed can't be recycled. If you're buying a bag that's a reusable bag, but you don't use it for at least 12 years, then it takes, it, it does just as much damage damage as using a plastic right. one and all of these things stack up right and so but that's why i'm saying like you we would have to be attacking it from the top which we're not doing which is not happening and so then and the bottom i right so we'd have to do both but it also takes the top really encouraging the bottom to do it but our top right now doesn't this is so but they won't this conversation <laughs> but they won't like in terms of you? but see in in my opinion in terms of individual responsibilities it does go with the power of the dollar the power of our vote the power of you know communities because we decide we dictate that nestle won't go into these communities and bottle water unless we ask for it unless we buy packs and packs right. of bottled water but we don't even know a lot of people not everybody but like a lot of people don't even know some of the shit that nestle's doing oh, right one of the right worst it's ones not a, when it comes to it's right. not a but, big deal because we can buy 24 bottles of water for four dollars that's right a, that's a steal and so i mean and that's what gets really really scary to me because i'm like even if we're putting the information out there and surely i know we have a lot of listeners that care a lot about this stuff and know so much more than us and like could help us with that um but I'm just like, okay, so what's the best way to attack this issue when to me it goes from like these big <laughs> companies that are not being held accountable, that are not doing anything. And then we find it all the pressures on us, which like some of it is, of course, but it's like we can't do it alone just as the bottom of the barrel people that are struggling to make it and don't know the difference between bottled water and other water. You know what I mean? Like there's a lot of information that that we need to receive, and then it right, requires but it's, it's a lot. It's not of going to be given to us. Is that that's what I'm saying when it comes to individual responsibility? Like these big corporations or whatever, they're going to do what needs to be done to to like fatten their pockets. Right. And so, if to us it becomes a question of convenience and access and cheaper, then of course things are going to go worse. But that's where the individual responsibility comes into play because the education component is huge. If you keep the masses ignorant, then you can control them for right. however long you want. Well, I just like to know then what's the next step? What's our next plan of action? We do some homework as an individual. Like it, it's a and and honestly, and that's what the sad part is. Um, that we don't understand these things because that type of information is kept from us and we don't know any better. But and this we've goes gotten... beyond just environmental issues, obviously. Right. The reason we, and even with me calling out white supremacy literally every episode, <coughs> it's because it's fact. I'm calling out what is what it is and people are afraid to even say the word white people to white people. Like, but we have to, we have to, um, do our homework, hold ourselves and the people around us accountable. And I'm trying to make this more uplifting because it sounds super sad. And usually the end of the juice is happier. Um, but in order to really better our society on all levels, we have to do this and so much more. And so I encourage and beg you all, our listeners and supporters, <laughs> to keep doing so and encourage everyone around you to do so because it takes, it takes all of us really to make a difference so anybody else have a fun joke to leave the juice on because now i'm sad what did the sexy brown chicken <gasps> say to the sexy brown cow
I don't know. Brown chicken, brown cow. Really? I thought there was going to be some sexiness in there. There was nothing. There was. Whatever. All right. Thanks for listening to The Juice. (laughs) Now we have a lovely interview for you. All right. We are finally welcoming to the show a dear friend that I'm very thrilled to have on the Colores Radio. I've been waiting for this moment for a long time, and I know you have, <laughs> and I knew it was coming, but I always, maybe I follow my intuition, and I just wait for the right moment, and I think um, you're the perfect guest to have on this episode. We have Mercedes Fulbright here with us, who is yay, yes. <laughs> the Texas State Coordinator for Local Progress Texas, a project of the Center for Popular Democracy. She works closely with community organizations throughout the Lone Star State to bring progressive policy solutions to local elected progressives. She is a strategist with the Electoral Justice Project, a national table with the Movement for Black Lives, centering electoral politics and organizing tactics for black communities. She's the former special assistant to the president at Paul Quinn College, a historically black college in Dallas, Texas. Under her management, she assisted in launching the African-American Leadership Institute, a Dallas-based think think tank house at Paul Quinn for the study and advancement of public policy, economic development, civic engagement, and leadership development as it relates to the African-American community and black elected officials throughout the state of Texas. She previously worked for Young People for a program of people for the American Way Foundation in Washington, D.C., She developed critically conscious curriculum for strategic youth leadership development training and oversaw their national civic engagement and voter mobilization campaigns with many of her projects in North Carolina to combat voter suppression. She has organized with several youth leadership organizations across the country, such as the NAACP and BYP 100, and is an experienced and respected voice on political strategy, racial justice advocacy, effective progressive leadership training, grassroots organizing, and public policy. Her life's work builds at the intersections of electoral politics and social justice, developing socially conscious leaders in marginalized communities to combat inequities with a global lens. She was the former chairwoman of the National Youth Work Committee of the NAACP, former youth board member on the National Board of Trustees for the NAACP, and has also served as the Dallas NAACP Youth Advisor. Mercedes received her master's in public administration from the University of Texas at Arlington and her BA in political science from the University of North Texas. Go mean green or whatever. Uh, <laughs> welcome to the show. Man, that was the longest bio. No. I gotta cut that. I no, I literally <laughs> told him I should cut some, you should. but I can't. <laughs> Why? You can't. Because it all felt so like supple. Like I was just like, this is good. She asked me. She was like, "Hey, read over it. Tell me what to cut." And I read over it, and I didn't say anything because I was like, <laughs> "We can't cut." Yeah, anything. so many words. I read so many through it things. like three times, and I was like, uh, uh, "Maybe it's the wine." Let's ask him and nothing nothing um just what it is so welcome to the colores radio yes thank you for having me thank you for being here you um it's funny because this is a lot of words like you said but it still is not even grasping everything you're doing it's missing so many things and that's where i'm like how and it's always funny because i bring these people on and i tell them to send me a bio and they're like why are you making me do this (laughs) and i'm like because you tell us this right But then we get to learn more about who you really are. And I think that's my favorite part about that. Um, So as we start, 
thank you for being here. And we're going to start with a rather simple question mm-hmm. um, that I always like to ask people. How do you identify? Uh, in life in general? Yeah. Uh, black woman, queer AF, uh, unapologetically black. Let me lead mm. with that. Um and really ambitious. Yeah. I'm a very ambitious person. You are indeed. You are indeed. <laughs> I believe in the impossible and in doing whatever it takes to achieve it. So tell us about your upbringing and how you got to that point. Huh. Um, so let's see. I'm, I'm a military brat. So mm. my dad was in the Navy. Uh, he retired um, after 20 years of serving. Wow. And so um, I spent a lot of time on the road. I spent a lot of time on flights. Were you born, where were you born? I was born in San Diego. Oh, wow. Yeah. See, I'm learning already. <laughs> I did not know. San Diego, California. Uh, spent the first, like, six years of my life um, in between San Diego and then um, Vallejo in Oakland. Mm. So I have, like, a real affinity for Tupac and West Coast music. I was about to say, music. you can fully claim Cali, I think. <laughs> you know, I, I don't, only because <laughs> um, I left at 10 Mm-hmm. Um, there's a stint that I was here in Dallas around eight and nine, and then I moved back for middle school and then moved to Dallas. So all of my okay. family is from Dallas. Majority um, of them are from Oak Cliff and from South Dallas. Dallas. Yeah. Grandma, um, she moved to California, um, to help raise me with my dad and she's from Dallas. Um, and so my dad wanted to be stationed somewhere. He's like, I want to go back home. And so for me, I don't claim California because like this has been my upbringing. This is right. what I know. When I was living in California, my dad and my grandmother were sending me back to Oak Cliff to spend time with my aunts and cousins. Wow. Um, so, you know, I spent a lot of time in South Oak Cliff and like just being a, a ratchet kid out there. Perfect. <laughs> um, and as you should be. Yeah. I mean, come on. We were like young black kids in the, <laughs> in the hood. So it was fun. Um, yeah, and so even even living here, I, I went to at least five schools, um, yeah. and that was just a matter of, like, family, marriage, things like that with mm-hmm. my dad. Um, but ended up spending four years in Cedar Hill and graduated from Cedar Hill High School. Go Longhorns. Oh, my um, God. Oh, yeah, <laughs> we haven't had a lot of Cedar Hill people in here. Not a lot of Cedar Hill. Really? What up, what but up you've had chill? some. Good. But you've had some. I don't know. So I'm the I first. I don't know either. I don't know we've had anybody that claims it. That's sad because. you know, some people like, well, like I'm from Grand Prairie. I claim Grand Prairie. Yes, That's we know that you're from Grand Prairie. Yeah, but I don't think we've ever played each other though in no, sports. We or can't football. physically. Grand Prairie cannot even. Yeah, look at I y'all. was like, we we are five. <laughs> do a. not do it. The yeah, I don't know what it is today. But I I claim it because like I come from a class and even like a generation of Cedar Hill alums who are just doing amazing things in the world. Mm-hmm. I just saw Little on Tuesday night, uh-huh. and my high school theater classmate was starring in Shut this movie up. called The Last Black Man in San Francisco, and that it looks so like Barry dope. Jenkins like filmed it. It's not him, but right, like the but way the, style, the cinematography. So well done. And I'm just like I was on stage with him for Midsummer's Night Dream, Stop, and there's like there's show. so many folks like him. Mid- Summer. And then a ton of like there's folks who are in the NFL for my high mm-hmm. school and are like winning awards for different things. So I claim it because I'm super proud of like Dope. what that high school produced and mm-hmm. like what we're contributing to society these days. That's awesome. And so I, it's just random when I see folks who went to my high school. And sure. I was just like, dang, I, I was literally on stage with you. So I'm going to go backwards <laughs> just a little yeah, bit. Yeah. Um, You said you were moving around a lot and, mm-hmm. and you're the oldest. I am the oldest. I'm the first born. So what's the pressure like there? Um, it doesn't feel as much pressure because there's a huge age gap. So my little brother is 22 mm-hmm. and then my little sister is 16. Okay. Um, so for me, it's it's been more of just like 
I'm just living my life mm-hmm. in ways that is showing them that they can be free, but also like steep, like lean into their brilliance. And so I've never had the pressure of like, you got to be a certain way because your brother and sister are looking up to you because one, I didn't grow up in the house with them, especially mm-hmm. with my little sister. By the time she yeah, was she of was age, young. I was going to college. And then my brother, my brother and I, last time we were in the same house, it was probably like I was seven and he was a baby type thing. Mm-hmm. Um, so I've just never had the pressure of having to be a certain role model for them because yeah. it's, it's, it's been natural to just like, this is who I am. You can figure it out with me if you want to. Um, and I've just, I've never been hard on them either. Maybe my little brother, cause he's a middle child and he's the only boy. Mm-hmm. Um, but a lot of that is because he's at UNT too. So I'm like, hey, there's a legacy I left. Oh my Need God. You to live up no to pressure. It. So that frustrates him sometimes, of course. but he, he'll get over it. He's supposed to graduate. I think. In the That's fall. so mean. How? Really? <laughs> is it? No. I'm just is saying it? that cause it's mean. Green. Um, Really? That's what you were hinting? I didn't. That yeah. went over my head. I was like, "Wait, what's me?" I hear so much UNT. I, I, there's so many UNT alum doing there things. Are. G is UNT. Your UNT. Pat's I don't even UNT. G's the our visual arts coordinator here. Okay, he's literally the reason. Like, he okay. made this. He's a brilliant yeah. artist. G yeah. doesn't get enough love from us here on the Colores, he but he's the reason. Like Oakleaf Cultural Center's art programs yeah. have have elevated elevated and he to came the from degree. unt mm-hmm. came from Look unt i just went to some amazing places where amazing people leave absolutely leave a legacy they do so yeah Indeed. yeah i'll uh respect that <laughs> where'd you go to school i went in san antonio i went to a small catholic okay. school you went to unt for five minutes yeah okay and then you dipped he yeah said, nah, this i gotta go it's Eagle, too big i can't do it on eagle drive i gotta go <laughs> Did anybody do it on You never experienced Fry Street, did you? I did. I was. I was at. I I had some friends that would, you know, spin some old school hip hop at Lucky Lou's. Oh, drop some old school hip hop. Yeah, Lucky Lucky Lou's. Yeah, that was back in. I know. From what I understand, Lucky Lou's is mad different now. I bet. It's like hipster now. I bet. I mean, the whole area here it is now. We we're gonna have a Chipotle over there now. That's where I went all throughout my college. Oh, you're younger than me. That's why we didn't have a Chipotle. It was like a man. I forget what the name of it is, but back in the day, there was like this two story pizza restaurant. And I think it no, no, no. It's oh. not crooked crust. It's a two story pizza spot. <laughs> yeah, like it. It had that old school pizza. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> Do y'all remember <laughs> dollar Jimmy John sandwiches? Jimmy John's was a dollar. It was one day of the month. I it think. was like a, now it's of the year. They're real cheap now. Oh, are they? Mm-hmm. Oh, it They're was the nice. day when you like. You just it was like, oh, I have no money in my account. Look at Jimmy John's coming through. I wish they did that a week. They do that like a year now. Okay. In San Antonio, they had when they had first introduced Chipotle, um, (laughs) we were like, what is this? And they had opened one up and, you know, they had some here in Dallas already. So I told him, I was like, yo, we need to go there. But for all the students from our school, they gave you a free burrito or a bowl. So I went there like five or six times that day. You know, pulled up with like a wig and mustache. No, you didn't. I I went to my costume costume design teacher. I was like, I need to borrow this wig. I'll be right back. (laughs) I need another burrito. Yeah. My name is so John. I, up. I had lunch for the whole week, so I was good. Jesus good. Christ. Good. Okay, so we're going to go back to Mercedes yes. now because we cl- clearly can go everywhere. <laughs> How did you, within that, because it sounded like you were alluding to it a little bit with your queerness. How mm-hmm. did you find that along the way? or Did it happen by the college era or was it post? Uh, <laughs> um, so what's funny, I... I realized today that I have always been queer, queer mm-hmm. in the sense of 
like just never subscribed to heteronormativity. Mm-hmm. Um, like always was a tomboy, but not in a way that like, oh, she must be gay. But you mm-hmm. know, like just like it was just different, right? right? It was just a different kid. I mean, we I don't did, have the language even then to understand. Literally, that. did That's not have all it. you know is tomboy. Did right? not have it, right? Yeah. But you know, like could catch myself like. Oh, okay this is different this feels weird um but weird in the sense of i grew up in a church that condemned you to hell right mm-hmm. um and so for me um i like i d- didn't come out to myself until post college mm. even though like i had experienced like people in ways that could have definitely said okay you're a queer girl but um <laughs> again just a lot of like uh self-hate and self-homophobia mm-hmm. right mm. and um then went into left yeah left dallas which i think is what i needed um right. and met uh, my partner at the time and felt more self-confidence because i was in a place where no one knew me mm-hmm. um and i could just like live my Ooh, full authentic life real yeah and so um with her by my side like when we moved when I moved back and she came with me, it was just an opportunity to just like really like lean into mm-hmm. what I know is me. And that was right. like my queerness, but also another space within DC was um, an organization that I'm currently a member of called black youth, black youth project 100 BYP mm-hmm. 100. Um, and they politicized me mm-hmm. in ways that um, other organizations that I've done organizing work with, civil rights works with, just didn't. They just like deepened my analysis around what it meant to be black, a woman, excuse me, black, a woman, queer. Um, they introduced me to the word queer. I'll even start there. I did, right. That was not a concept for me. Like all I knew was like gay, lesbian. Mm-hmm. Um, and then realizing that queer opens up a spectrum of not only how you express yourself sexually, but also how you express yourself by presentation mm-hmm. and even political thought. Um, and so with their help, like that journey of being away for at least a year and a half and having a political home that really like, affirmed me in ways that I didn't have that back home um gave me the confidence that I needed to come back home and say this is who I am mm-hmm. um and it took me at least another I think maybe f- six five six months to like finally come out and I did it on national coming out day in October of 2016 Yay. um and yeah and it, and it was beautiful and I got nothing but positive affirmations around it and since then I I that's all I get like I mm-hmm. haven't experienced a moment in which um you know I felt ashamed yeah. to be queer and I'm just super thankful that I have a community that knew me before this mm-hmm. and didn't think there was anything different when I came back home right um thank you for sharing that yeah. I know it's not always easy <laughs> I was to gonna do. say I've never told my coming out story sorry you don't I mean <laughs> if you don't want it in here it doesn't have to be okay. but I do um I always I I like asking people yeah. if they're willing to share because I think it's one of the bravest things you can do right yeah. is live your full truth exactly. which a lot of um people now and even our ancestors never got to do or explore right especially if you're growing up in a place like texas and then growing up religious also obviously if nobody else is mean to you you're mean to yourself because of the thoughts that Mm -hmm. you grew up with Mm -hmm. um so thank you for sharing that because i do know that's a a big portion of your identity um and very admirable on top of all the other work you're doing is 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 standing firm in who you are um so then from high school 
you went to UNT yep. and did you know already you wanted to do poli sci? I did. I went in um, in high school. I was super involved. Not only did I do theater, but I was the student council vice president. So mm-hmm. a lot okay, of that okay. was around like you got them votes in high school. <laughs> I did. I did. Uh, I was like, I felt like the popular nerd. If yeah. That's, I think that's possible. Like I think maybe I made still. It no, I'm just kidding. I'm, yes, definitely a policy wonk. So Aww. I'm definitely a nerd. Um, but. Yeah, I went to college with this idea that I should be a lawyer. And the only reason why I had that idea is because my stepmom at um, 11 um, was like, what do you want to be when you grow up? And I was like, I don't know. And she pulled out this book that basically had characters and different jobs and outfits that they were in with those jobs. So like firefighter, obviously, that firefighter so outfit. Yeah. And it was all women. Uh-huh. And the only black person I saw in the book was someone that was a lawyer. And I was like, I want to be her. That works. Representation that matters. It. That was literally it. Everyone else was like white, Asian. I don't know. And so I kept that in the forefront of my mind like i'm gonna go be a lawyer and before that you had never thought of something you dreamed of being no not at all okay not at all like if i did it was i don't even know what it would have been back then i mean (laughs) much of my like childhood was music Mm -hmm. and like going to the bazaar with my dad so why is that everyone's childhood in the hood (laughs) i feel like it is my dad was like a a big deal bazaar no he he used to um i just won't get him in trouble because he doesn't do it anymore but uh he used to uh sell bootlegs yeah yeah so like mix cds where at did i used to buy them no well this was in this was in cali (laughs) we used to get them at caesar's tacos over here in oakland um so yeah so even the concept of entrepreneur didn't even like mean anything to me Mm -hmm. and that's what my dad was in many ways uh but you know again like i didn't know i could like start a business and like make money right um so lawyer was what i had and that's what i went in with and the only degree that made sense with that was political science and so for four years i literally prepared myself for law school until i interned in dc my senior year and absolutely hated it and um one of the legislative directors i was working for congressman was like, well, you can't get into law school unless it's a top five, and that's going to be a waste of time if you don't get into those schools, so you shouldn't be a lawyer. And that Did that was, make you feel, like, crushed at that oh, moment? Oh, I mean, I didn't go because of what he said, literally. Damn. I did not go. I wow. stopped applying to law school because this white man told me that, in so many words, like, unless mm. you're smart enough, there's no point in you doing this. And so I was wow. like, okay, I guess I'm not smart enough because I'm not going to get into Harvard or Yale, so what's the point um and so yeah i went back home after that internship i graduated two days after i moved back from dc and um was unemployed for three months i was the most oppressed i've ever been and that's um, how capitalism gets us yep 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 not working makes you feel like literal scum of the earth pretty terrible because for me i mean i skipped through a lot of stuff but like I was the model student leader at UNT. Mm. Like when I say involved in everything and was like the poster child, like my face was on things. I believe it. They'll be like, "Um, you want to be a marketing major? And they'll have my face and I'm not even a marketing major, (laughs) but it's like, you know, she's cute (laughs) and she's like all involved, right? Like be like There's marketing gurus out there right now. Like I followed her. (laughs) I remember there was literally a poster that said that in like the RTBF building or something. That's my building. Why? Why am I on this? Like, who even? I, I didn't so, give them permission for this, but they run. I with say it. that to say I was so depressed because I had just finished being like the student body vice president, mm-hmm. and I was like orientation leader. I was this, I was that, and here I am unemployed with a college degree. Right? Like, what was the point of all the things that I did 
if I have nothing to show for it. Right. And so I did. Th- I was sat in that for three months and um, ended up getting a corporate job that I hated. Oof, that is literal <laughs> same. That is exactly how my journey went as yeah. well. It's not about me, but you're hitting on a lot of things <laughs> yeah. that I think um, we should touch on briefly because there is, there are those pressures, right? And it's not even those people saying you better be doing this mm-hmm. Mercedes, but mm-hmm. it's you telling yourself yeah. that yeah. like they are thinking of you like this. So you better not let them down. Yeah. And I think what's also was wild about my senior year. Um, I had pledged a sorority the semester before I moved to DC. It was always my dream city to live in and work in, hated my internship Damn. and terribly failed at it in ways that, um, I felt like shame, ashamed and embarrassed. And it took like my college advisor um, or the person that was over that program to say like, where did we go wrong? Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, like you are our shining light and right. this review of you in this office is not good. And it tells me that we miss some parts of like, like um, hard skills, basically. Like I had right. the soft skills. I could show up, do things. Yeah, mm-hmm. let's go. But like, when it came to like administrative work and like writing style and things like that, they were like, nah, this, she ain't it. And where do you think then? Cause that's obviously like your college advisor saying like, where do we go wrong? Mm-hmm. But in, and to me, from what it sounds like from afar, it's like, that's where the system fails mm-hmm. you. Right. Mm-hmm. Because it's, uh, at that point, maybe not out queer black woman, mm-hmm. but like going into a very white space. Yep. Like how did you navigate that? Yep from coming from Texas, from the hood, you know what mm-hmm. I mean? Like, how did you, when did you realize that moment that these systems were not mil- built for you? Oh God. Oh my, that's a really good question. <laughs> I don't know. I don't, I don't, the, the systems part probably came post-grad, like mm-hmm. the actual system analysis. Right. But I definitely experienced like culture shock when I first got to UNT. Cedar Hill is not the hood at all, but it is predominantly barely. black. Yeah, barely the hood. They got <laughs> sprouts there. Barely, only because... Anyone that went to Cedar Hill, maybe in for sure in the last, like, not last, but like 2008 and before, 2010 and before, most of our parents were are from Oak Cliff and South Dallas, and they were like, ah, we're not raising you in this. And yes. so they went and moved to the suburbs That's what happened and to built the home. Too. Exactly. So, yeah, we're like hood adjacent, I guess. <laughs> but, uh, but yeah, my dad was like, we're not going to live at Oak Cliff, which I'm like, here I am we're as an adult, and I'm exactly. like, what? I would have loved this experience, <laughs> yeah. right? Like, what do you mean? This is all I knew when Relatable. I would come home and be here. But I say that to say that when I left Cedar Hill, well, when I first got there, it was white AF, and then white fl- flight happened, mm-hmm. right? And so the last three years was predominantly black. So going from that to UNT, where we were only 13% of 37,000 kids, mm-hmm. I was like, yo, what is this? And that's because UNT is one of the more, quote unquote, diverse of the university. Yeah, in Texas, thir- it's one yeah, of the most diverse. I know. You know I knew all the facts, girl. See nobody <sighs> vice president. I knew all this. <laughs> like, we are, we are doing it. We are representing people. Yes. Um, but yeah, yeah. So there's a cu- culture shock, but never I didn't I don't think I ever got the system analysis until post grad. And a lot of that came when I moved to DC and I joined BYP mm-hmm. one hundred. Like they taught Shout me so much. No, seriously. Um but yeah, um, and yeah, even when the conversation happened when I came back home before graduation about like how I did in DC, that didn't even click that like, oh, this isn't just on me, right? Mm-hmm. Like there's this bigger thing yeah. that I'm not in control of. Yeah. So um yeah, it, it, I I felt like a failure. It was really it was a really hard time after I graduated cuz it just it felt like all the work that I did in college didn't matter because 
I didn't have the hard skills or couldn't couldn't show that in a way that said that like yeah this is why I'm deserving of these things because right. look at all these things that I've done um so yeah so then from that point you went back home didn't get a job for three months mm-hmm. and then from there you went on to your next journey mm-hmm. um and then you from is it from there you just haven't stopped what do you mean like with all these really like big campaigns and stuff you've been on like how uh, did that happen and and when did you feel like you were on the right path um yeah so it took i think the second year of my corporate job where i was commuting from um uptown of richardson Ooh. and like hating the drive but also like hating the eight hour work day and i was like man i'm not doing anything that i used to do in undergrad which was like organizing uh campaigns like i ran my own campaign several times things like that um and so it took dang what year was this oh yeah yeah it took a friend creating a um a consulting firm that mm worked with political campaigns and my first political campaign was actually Miguel Solis running for school board who is now running for mayor he is now running for mayor it's just wild what people are doing with their lives these days um so this was 2013 so going back and forth from work then rushing after work to to door knock and um like do political strategy with um the consulting firm I was with um it was my good friend Matt Houston that created it and then um from there, uh, I remember Wendy Davis doing the filibuster mm. on the Senate floor, and I was like, ooh, I want to join that campaign. That was such a moving moment yeah. for a lot of radical, like, Texans, yep. I know. Yep. A lot of women, women specifically. Or not ASICs. What did she the have? The shoes that she was wearing. A lot of they were like ASICs, I think. There's something. <laughs> the yeah. pink shoes. Yes. I remember. Um, but yeah, so when she announced that she was running for governor, I was like, ooh, I want to do that. I want to be a part of that. And so uh, I applied for her spring fellowship program. Um, and became a fellow uh, door knocking in Oak Cliff in South Dallas and um, did that for five months and um, trying to remember what happened after that. Oh, and then this is 2014, of course. So as the campaign is is happening, uh, Mike Brown was killed in August. Mm -hmm. And then like there's this like awakening that happens right in the black Mm -hmm. community around, okay police brutality is is much more serious than it was in the 90s Mm -hmm. um in ways that like our folks like young people are getting killed right and um um i can't remember like my organizing efforts around that honestly i feel like that was more of like an internal um what's going on oh i did go to ferguson i did go to ferguson Mm -hmm. with a friend at the time um up there and and got to just like it's so funny because I actually shared spaces with people from BYP, but not knowing that they were BYP. Right. I had no, they weren't in Dallas, right? I had no concept of who those people were. Um, and the pivotal moment in which I feel like has put me on the path that I've been on, which is like, like very radical and unapologetic about what it means to be black and to protect ourselves and protect our communities. Um, I was, yeah, at this time, I got into UTA for the public policy, public administration program, master's program, and I had just completed my finals. And um, there was a protest being held from the federal court downtown, and we were walking to the American Airlines Plaza. And so at that time, I think a week before that, Eric Garner was killed. Mm-hmm. 
And so on top of that, you have Michael Brown and Eric Gardner. Yeah. And so I just felt like this whole time, not only did I just finish this campaign with Wendy Davis, this is December at this point. Mm-hmm. Um, I finished this campaign with Wendy Davis, but I was also very focused on completing my master's. And I was like, I don't feel like I'm doing enough. And so I remember finishing my final, leaving my apartment in Uptown and going down to downtown by myself. That's a key thing to remember, by myself. And um, we walked or marched um, from downtown to the American Airlines Plaza. And as we were walking, we were doing dying protests. So mm-hmm. back then, that was like the the direct, well, I don't say the direct action, but it was like the demonstration that folks did as activists to, to um, symbolize how many minutes Mike Brown was laying down. So we would just lay in the street for four and a half minutes. Mm-hmm. And we did that like three times. And then when we got to the American Airlines Center, I uh, laid down in a meditative state in a way that was just like, I'm a very purpose-driven individual, so mm-hmm. I'm always in my head about everything. And so I was like, I'm just gonna lay down, block out this noise, like figure out like how do I show up in this moment? How do I show up in this space? in regards to organizing protests like this is who I was in undergrad I've done um this type of work in undergrad and just you know never stuck with it because now I'm this corporate young professional mm-hmm. I don't have time for that right right and um I was laying there doing the, a dying <laughs> didn't realize I was the only person doing it and I feel a person grab me by my arm and drag me across the plaza oh, when I finally like realized what's happening um, it's a police officer. It's this Dallas police officer um, dragging me across the plaza in, in a crowd of 100 folks saying that I'm under arrest. Oh, wow. And in this moment, um, because I was in a meditative state, I'm in fight or flight mode. So I'm resisting mm-hmm. arrest. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Like it, it was one of those moments of there's a grown man that's grabbing Dragging me. You. He just yeah. woke me up from a state and um, is yelling at me. And um People are like, she didn't do anything. She was just laying there. What's going on? And just folks yelling, screaming. I'm crying at this mm. point. I'm by myself, mind you. So um, I'm just in a state of fear. Um, and he brings me over to like eight other officers and um, puts me in tie knots and says I'm under arrest. And um, I got dragged to the side. You know the 7-Eleven is mm-hmm. right there? I think it's Houston Street. Yeah. Um, and they sat me on a pedicab. They didn't put me in it, but, like, sat on the side of it and were trying to check my record. And I'm just crying. I'm, like, talking to the black uh, man and woman that are police officer. And I'm like, how can you do this to your own community? Mm. Like, I wasn't even doing anything. Like, how is it that you can, like, wear this badge and think it's okay to just, like, just just take people's rights in a way that, um, exerts your power like I'm a hundred at the time it's probably like 120 pounds or mm-hmm. something um, and I remember like as I'm saying this I'm crying and the the black man is like his eyes are welling up I Jesus. probably said more powerful things I don't remember this is yeah, five this years is ago what now you're thinking of yeah now. but like I'm saying I like I'm like pleading to him like how do you all do this what are they day? saying Nothing? they're just looking because they gotta be stern right what they gotta they like yeah. look like they're not you know, <laughs> on on our side, and um, I was just like, you know, just like, just like, look at yourselves. Like, do you, like, I don't have a record. I haven't done anything. Y'all treated me as if I was about to, you know, threaten this space. Mm-hmm. Um, and from that moment, like, I realized that I can't be on the sidelines, right? Mm-hmm. Like, if they can treat me like this, like, one that could have been fatal, right? Mm-hmm. And I'm glad that there were so many people around because it protected me in many ways, right? right? Because I was resisting arrest. 
Um, so anything could have happened. I could have been body slammed or whatever. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I'm just thankful that it was in such a public space and also, um, the local news was there. So it was actually like live. Wow. And so my phone was blowing up in ways that I never experienced before, but a ton of people thought that I was into hysterics. So they were like, where did she go? Cause on the video, it's on YouTube on oh, the video. Gosh. Um, I disappear at one point. So like if you were watching it in that moment, it looks like, you know, I got abducted or something. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, from that moment, it, it, it put me on the path of being radically unapologetic about protecting my people mm-hmm. and recognizing that we live in a oppressive police state, uh, and in, in ways that, um, I know that we could be reinvesting. We could be investing our money in things that actually protect our communities because that was not protection. That was not safety, mm-hmm. what I experienced. I was an unarmed person on a ground, and a grown man who's about 300 pounds is dragging me um, for, I still don't know why, right? Mm-hmm. Try to talk to a police chief about it. They apologized that night, but then when we met a week later, no interest, right? Like said that he did the right thing even though that night they're apologizing profusely because everyone's calling them city council folks are like pick the wrong one like that's Mm -hmm. not the one that you grab right um but yeah but it's always different when the doors are closed um and so I've just been on this path of black liberation especially from oppressive systems Mm -hmm. um and being a survivor of police brutality um definitely makes me extremely grateful and like committed to protecting um, our folks, um, because something as simple as that could have been the end of my life. So, absolutely, yeah. Oof, that is. I got heavy. I'm sorry. No, do not ever apologize. We um, we are grateful for you to even share that because that is really heavy, yeah. and it's almost like having to relive the trauma mm-hmm. a little bit. So, um, and I do. It's so weird because people um, they look at it such as an admirable moment. It's not something I ever would wish on anyone, right? Mm-hmm. And I, I have friends who have experienced worse with the police. Um, but, like, I still have anxiety when mm-hmm. I am around a ton of them. I was just on a panel a couple of weeks ago, and the person that put it together didn't tell me that there would be four DPD mm-hmm. four officers. Of four Jesus. Um, and so the fact that I still have the anxiety that I have tells me that, like, this like I'm not healed from that at all right I don't think I ever will be because the, the police don't exert safety for me I know right. there's so many things in life that bring me joy and safety and it's not from people that have guns mm-hmm. on them so right no absolutely um it definitely reminded me a little bit of what you were saying with um we discussed it a little bit last episode mm-hmm. after the raids mm-hmm. that happened and like how, you know, yes. And so at the, at the detention center, um, you know, it was kind of that similar setup, right? Because there were witnesses, they weren't doing anything mm-hmm. because we were watching. Mm-hmm. And basically what we encourage for people is to sometimes just be there mm-hmm. because if they're not under watch, they're doing whatever the hell they right. want. Exactly. Right. And that's the terrible part is like, it doesn't matter if you are so-and-so's assistant or this or that or whatever. If you look this kind of way mm-hmm. and they see you as a mm-hmm. threat in that moment because mm-hmm. that's how the system functions and sees you, yeah. they're going to do whatever the hell they want yeah. to to you, even if they look like you. Yep. And yep. that's the most terrifying part about the policing system yep. in general. Yeah. And we always talk about it um, in a city like Dallas. And, and we've been around for almost two years now. Um, so it's been really interesting because we started it. I guess this right after the year after that 
that shooting happened Mm -hmm. and ever since the july 7th shooting and everybody really after that happened it was like dallas became bleed blue to the fullest Mm -hmm. and that's what's very scary Mm -hmm. um and why your story is so important right because if a educated whatever all the all the, <clears throat> the right things, check marks right, right that they exactly the <laughs> you're on the poster boards at this very uh valued in university it don't matter mm-hmm. right because mm-hmm. in that moment they're not they don't give a rat's they ass do not care. and so that's why i'm like thank you for for being courageous and sharing that mm-hmm. because you don't have to yeah. but at the same time it's like what standard do we hold these systems to when they don't even respect us yeah. at so all. at all Whew. So, we can all take a deep breath, maybe. Do some, like, mindfulness. Um, what are some key factors people should know about these systems and their power? Because you're studying it from a political science perspective. Mm-hmm. And, like, again, I'm a model citizen in different ways. Mm-hmm. And I'm educated in this mm-hmm. and that. But, like, I didn't experience my first, like, council meeting until last year. Mm. And just even sitting in there, I felt really uncomfortable mm-hmm. and the power dynamic mm-hmm. there is really interesting. And mm-hmm. I was really scared to like go and talk. But, you know, with Sarah McCurrya behind me, she was yeah. like, you better go. <laughs> OK, sure. We're going. Yeah. But it's like all those things and how that's set up. And I think after I experienced these things, it really encouraged me um, to encourage my listeners yeah. and more to just get involved. Yeah. Like these spaces aren't made for us. You're right. It's not going to feel like it, yeah. but the more of us that are there, the more of an impact we can make. Yeah. That last part um, is very much so about organized people power, right? Like power will not concede itself unless there's pressure. Mm-hmm. And when we don't engage it, um, it has the ability to function as is. And if you believe that the society that we live in is functioning the way it should be, then you are completely oblivious to one, our city will just, just focus on our city, but we're right. number one in childhood poverty. Mm-hmm. And when people say that stat and they say it a lot at city hall, they're forgetting that that means that there are a ton of parents that right. are living in poverty. A child well. cannot <laughs> be in poverty unless they're living in a home in which that is the case. Right. And so I'm always reminding folks that um, one, we elect these people, but also uh, many of them like, are in those seats to concentrate poverty, like systematically to keep people mm-hmm. suppressed. Within it. Yeah, yeah. Like um, if folks actually cared about a thriving city, then they would want to pass and fight for uh, livable wages, mm-hmm. right? $7 and 25 cents does not allow anyone in the city to pay rent. Right. Our rent is going up every maybe six months, mm-hmm. if not every year. Um, and so when I think about the number of black and brown folks who are on minimum wage, they are spending their entire check on just rent. So that tells me that they're working two to three jobs just to make ends meet. And if they have children, then it's even harder, Mm -hmm. right? Um, Also, seeing our new district attorney, John Crusoe, release that criminal justice plan, Mm -hmm. which excites me because not only did he run on those issues, but now he's actually doing it. it. He's going to enforce it. But I love that the theme of the plan is decriminalized poverty because it... makes the issue mainstream and also shifts the narrative around um, um, crime is because people are inherently bad when it's actually that folks do not have the economic means to live the lives that they want to because 
we live in a city where it's it's two cities, mm-hmm. right? North Dallas is thriving and Ooh. Southern part isn't. Yeah. And there's pockets in the North Dallas where it looks like it's Southern Dallas mm-hmm. as well. And so when we talk about decriminalizing poverty, we're actually talking about how crime is a symptom of poverty. So when I'm seeing <laughs> the Texas Police Union and our governor talking about we need to get him out of this seat because yeah, he's allowing bothered. Yeah, he's Very allowing bothered. people to steal food and steal coats. And it's like, why aren't you looking at the larger system right. of why people why feel they have that? to do that? Mm-hmm. Which is the point of decriminalized poverty. Decriminalizing poverty is trying to get to the root cause of why people are doing the things that they're doing in hopes that one, we can set them on a better track, but also it the work that I do, which is at the local level, it also puts a challenge out to our city council folks and even school board trustees to reevaluate and acknowledge that they're not creating policies that allow people to get out of poverty. So when he's saying, I'm not going to let you sit in a cage because you're poor, then I'm going to need some resources to Mm -hmm. make sure that I don't have to continue to like steal or do the things that I need to do to provide for my family. And so I can't do that if the, the larger system isn't creating these opportunities for me. So when it comes to jobs, when it comes to kids either being put in, in jails and cages because, um, they don't have anything to do, right? Mm-hmm. Like this juvenile curfew is Oof. like complete BS. Um, <sighs> yeah. Like how are we encouraging kids to go to college if we're saying that your very existence of walking in this city is a crime? Right. Um, and it blows my mind that people don't understand these like basic common sense um, ways of looking at life. Um, and when they don't, it tells me that they actually don't see people inherently as good. They just like they they are distrustful people Mm -hmm. and I get it but it's also because there's this narrative that's being pushed in us because it has to be a haves and haves not Mm -hmm. Um, and the society that I am pushing for and fighting for is one where everyone has the ability to thrive they have the freedom to do so so if you want to have access to a million dollars you can if you don't you don't have to right? right not everybody cares to be wealthy also, who needs that much money? I can go on a tangent about these things. <laughs> go it's for just it. Like, I'm here for it. But I just like for me, and I hope it makes sense because I try to oh, like, it does. like break it down. Our listeners ways. are there. Don't <laughs> worry. If they've been following us for long enough, Good. they're like, oh, yeah. yeah but like, I just sense. want folks to like recognize that like if this was the Matrix and everyone should see that movie, it really helped me put into <laughs> perspective my organizing efforts. But like if this was a Matrix and someone like offered you the different pills, like I have taken the pill and I am fully woke and like I fully see like how it's working and that it's oh it's just codes and da 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 da. Mm-hmm. You gotta watch the movie to know the reference. Have you seen it? Um, it's been a really like, long time. I know he it, has. Have you? You've seen the Matrix, Matrix yeah, right? No, I, I, yeah, no, it's been a long time. I feel like so that's like one. He, that's like, one of the. Yeah, it's a key it's film. Like, it is, especially as an organizer and activist. Like you literally wake up to the world that you live in, and then you really start to question. Like, why are things the way that they are? And then you realize, like, oh, someone's controlling all this. And the someones are usually 1%, people who have access to political power, folks who who aren't of the working class, basically, in some ways. I won't say that. It's like a majority. But um, that's, that is, like, how I show up in the world is, like, I've taken the pill, and <laughs> now I see that um, – some people run on campaign promises that aren't actually true. Ooh, I would say most, but <laughs> most do. Um, and a lot of it is for self gain. Um, and I am more interested in getting people, everyday people, working class people in those seats and having access to political power because they know what it feels like to be poor. They know mm-hmm. what it feels like to not have the means. They know what it feels like to have to fight and struggle for things. And so, um, 
you know what? Some of those people actually do get those seats and then they forget. And exactly. Then here we are. Well, so. and that's still how the system works, right? Because they've <laughs> right. assimilated so much yeah. and still try to and basically play up to the it's white man like so much. It's just like human behavior. And it's really sad and unfortunate. And um, I don't know. It's it's why we organize. It's why we create the people, pres- pre- people pressure that we create so that we can remind folks like, ah, remember why you ran for this seat? So right. it's all about a larger system. Moral of the story. For sure. So what have been some of the key moments from your journey post-grad forward? Because you've worked with a lot of dope people. I see you with like all the coolest politicians. And I say coolest because that's very air quotey because I don't trust any of them really. Cool? But <laughs> well, you have to like. Who do you consider cool? Okay, I don't so just like when I saw you with Stacey Abrams, okay, I was like, I, was like, I don't oh, fangirl over everyone. Right, <laughs> me neither. I literally probably less than you. I'm like, I'm over there pouting with my arms crossed at all of them. No, that's I'm like, me. Mm, like a Stacey Abrams. I don't know. Is like she's like from the future, right? right. So like that's why someone or like, like Gillum was really exciting. I used to work for him. Exactly. Tell us more about these. <laughs> I'm like, you're so humble. You ain't even, st- I would be sticking in all them stars. Like, boop, boop, boop. Um, I know you saw Elizabeth Warren in South Dallas the yeah, other day. Um, and yeah, I'll explain that one too. Not explain, but people are like, why? Yeah. Anyways. Um, no, Andrew Gillum ran for Florida governor. I had the, the opportunity to work for him. He literally saved me from my corporate job in yeah. a life of depression. Yeah. Um, right after the protest thing happened, the detainment happened in December. I missed this part. I turned 25 two days later. 25 was a very revolutionary year for me. I told you this. Now you're 25. Like, <laughs> a lot of things are going to happen. And it's going to really like, it's going to show you like what you should be doing, what you shouldn't be doing, whatever that is. It's going to like, it's going to wake you up. So two days before that, I'm I got woke, detained. Man, then I had a freedom party. And I was like, I got to get out of this job. You had a freedom party? Yeah, That's absolutely. It's 25 and I wasn't in jail. <laughs> so, you know, you got to cue the Kanye song. Stop. <laughs> Rest in peace. <laughs> I mean, what? Yes. Um, and so, um, yeah, I was like, I got to get out of this job. And I applied for a ton of jobs here in Dallas. And um at the time they didn't really have spaces for folks who were interested in organizing work or activism and so i was like okay well guess i need to leave what's my other place i want to live in oh i want to go back to dc i love dc chocolate city not anymore but back then it was like kai latte um i'm into this yeah (laughs) um and yeah, I I got an interview for the Young People for a Job, which is a fellowship program of a, of a foundation where um, they're training college-age students on how to be organizers and how to work inside and outside of systems of oppression. And Andrew Gillum was the director of that, um, the um, youth leadership department of that. So there was Young People for, and then there was Young Elected Officials Network. He created both of those programs. And... Um, that interviewed with my direct director and then he was a lot he was like the final say and I remember when I interviewed with him he was like you are a star Mm. like you're just something about you I want you to come to DC when can you come stars no stars yeah (laughs) literally I didn't didn't even know who he was right like it was one of those moments of like he sounds really cool I (laughs) want to work for him yeah (laughs) and at the time he was the mayor of Tallahassee so I'm also like how does he have these two jobs like he lives in Tallahassee but you work for an org that's based in DC and so I moved out there a month later and um, I, yeah, I got to work under his leadership and 
it was amazing. It was, it, it's, I, it's definitely put me on the path that I'm on now. He taught me progressive politics. I didn't even know what that meant mm-hmm. back then. Like, what does that mean? Progressive politics. It is literally folks who believe in equal justice under the law, who believe in good governance that serves the public interest, that believes in youth rights, affirms LGBT rights. Like mm-hmm. any, any issues you could think of that were forward thinking and center people, um, would be under the realm of progressive politics, right? Like we're not trying to lock people out. It's about equity and being inclusive, um, building power for the many and not the few. Right. And he taught me that. Him alongside my other director and my coworkers. And um, I remember in my bio it talked about helping to create critically conscious curriculum and all that means is that was a mouthful but i was into <laughs> alliteration it. Yes. yes i said give me all the c's <laughs> um it all it means is that i was basically um helping to create um uh, workshop trainings for college-age students to understand systems mm-hmm. to understand what it means to like organize people around oppressive um, systems in their communities, right? And um, to have an analysis that is radicalized and um, is bold. Right. And it forces you to think. It forces you to question what's happening around you um, and not blame other people because of it. Um, and so I had the opportunity to do that. Uh, one of my favorite curriculum was Building Power to Win, and it's really about like how to mobilize people to get them um, engaged in a cause that you're doing. Um and yeah, and he literally he put me on the path that I'm on at 25. That's dope. So that's amazing. And then he ran for governor, and I was like, dang, why didn't I stay? Mm. <laughs> I left right before he announced. Yeah, there's very few people <laughs> that I'm like, okay, I kind of believe what you're saying a little bit as far as like politicians go, yeah. because yeah, I think there's only so much still because they are politicians. But that was he was definitely one of the few that I was like, He's so authentic. You're, you're special. You definitely so authentic. got it. The snapbacks too. The clapbacks, not snapbacks. <laughs> Let him clap roll back. over the snapbacks. Oh, I was like, he, I mean, he had it wasn't. No, <laughs> clapback, clapback. Um, yeah. No, that's super dope. Um, so I clearly could get into several of these different topics because there's a lot there. Mm-hmm. Um, but we have to get close to wrapping up. So. What are your dreams for Dallas? Ooh, my dreams for Dallas is one that um, reinvests in communities in ways that create safety and joy, Mm. right? Um, Our city spends 60% of its budget on policing. Y'all hear that? 60%. which means our taxes go to us being criminalized. Cool. Great. Love it. <laughs> and when I think about a community. And they still ask for more. Of course. They are not satisfied for the no, record. No, no, if you're at city council meetings, they are constantly they talking more. about how much more they need. They want more. Um, and I envision a city that has a ton of Clyde Warren parks, but for black and brown kids. Ooh, everywhere. <laughs> I envision a Dallas that has after hour recreational centers Mm. for kids. Right. I envision high schools that are not only teaching STEM, but are teaching the arts, they're teaching coding, they're teaching whatever kids want to like dream of. And I always think of kids because like, to me, like youth are the future. Like my background Mm -hmm. is youth organizing. Um, And so when I think of the investment in them, I think about a beautiful investment in our society. Um, I think of a city that um, embraces diversity and culture in ways that 
neighbors are trusting of each other, right, and want to learn and grow. Um, I think of a city that embraces its musical history. Mm. There's like a lot of hidden gems in our city that our own city does not embrace. Like not only just Erica Badu, but like folks who have won Grammys. And there are so many in our city. Mm-hmm. Um, but one that puts us on the map, right? Like Beyonce is putting on for Texas, but she's really putting on for Houston. For and there's so many people in our city for H-Town. who have done that mm-hmm. or maybe not doing it, but we're like we're not embracing it. So I think of that city. Um, I I just I think of um, I don't know I, I I have so many hopes and dreams for this city, but a lot of it is is about the investment in our safety and the stability and like joy that could be cultivated if our money was spent on things that people actually need in their mm-hmm. life to thrive, um, and that's not being criminalized, right? Amen. So. so. What are your dreams for Mercedes Fulbright? Woo! Because um, we only really touched your professional work. I was like, I didn't like that. But, but, and I am sorry. <laughs> I did not like that. We can dig into it as we're wrapping up more okay. into who you are outside of this realm. Because that's obviously very um, noble and mm-hmm. great. But, but I think the beauty in you is everything else you're yeah. doing as well. And the joy you bring everywhere you go. So... Th- I won't say there's two sides of me, but there's there's sides of me that I want to blend, which is uh, my love for community and my love for music. And so this path that I'm taking and practicing to be a DJ is something that um, I wish I had more time for to be more serious mm-hmm. about. Um, but I also have dreams of um, having a seat at the table when it comes to political power. So talking about running for office like Mm. i see that for myself but also being a dj that's like dope af Mm -hmm. as i'm doing it right um and so the dreams that i have for myself is that mercedes gets to be her full self Mm. and show up in ways that only bleeds for the love of my community but also bleeds for the love that i have for myself and so much of that is like creating and uh manifesting joy for others around me and if that's by creating (coughs) really bold radical policies that can change the trajectory of a person's life or hundreds or thousands of people's lives then I want to be a part of that and if that's uh curating queer black POC spaces Mm -hmm. that has like the best music like I want to be a part of that and the vision that I have is that both of those things can come together in ways that yes that creates spaces for folks to just be free and be themselves and be unapologetic yeah if that ain't full bright, then I don't speak the language. <laughs> I, I was don't like, speak where you the been language. In this whole thing? I'm sitting here like, yo, just in awe. Like, and the things that you're saying, I feel like I don't have a question because you're answering them right after. You mm-hmm. know, as soon as I think, you made them. it very simple. Really? No, you did. Um, in terms of all of that, because like you're bringing together this vision of this comprehensive vision of what it's like to live in these neighborhoods. Yeah. You know, and yeah, in Dallas, there, there there is an association of like elite with this city that mm. is not reality. It's not. And so all of these things that you're talking about are illusion or they allude to things that are critical to where we need to be. If we're going to be like a vibrant city or if we're going to be like yep. one of the major metropolitan areas in the country. Um, but I'm in awe because I'll like I'm, I'm, I'm with it. Like I was thinking right now, I was like, "Yo, like, 
I think I said this maybe once before when like Brenda Loya mm-hmm. came on, but I was like, I don't, I don't know what platforms like you're specifically running on, but you got my vote. <laughs> Brenda, who's and Brenda? Brenda so, Loya. She it, works with DCCD. Yeah, and so she, it was just an interesting yeah. interview. We, we, she was one of the our guests earlier on, yes. but she had relocated here from New Mexico, yes. and so she was telling us about um how she was a Democrat in New Mexico, and she was mm-hmm. like, when I got to Dallas. A New Mexico Democrat like me thought that a Dallas Democrat was very red. And mm. I was like, yo, this is mad weird. And yeah. so we, we needed the dragging. Ah, yeah. And so um, I'm one of those people that loves my city, but I know my city has got so, so much, much work, work to do. Yeah, so much work. It's one of those things like I she knows this, but I, I travel a lot. I travel around this country a lot. And I, I am so proud to be from this city. Mm-hmm. And then I have these moments where people are like, what do you like about your city? And I'm like, okay. myself. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, my friends. Yeah. My family lives there. Uh-huh. When I know there's so much more. There's there a special is. energy there here. Is. Yes. And it is. And for, and for me, it's like it's so suppressed because like folks who have political power don't want to invest mm-hmm. in it. Right. So we got to be in like the hole in the wall spaces to like cultivate and create those spaces for ourselves. And then no one ever knows about it. So then there's a pocket of people who never get access to that because they didn't know. Right. Mm-hmm. And so, yeah, I think about like quality of life here in regards to how much nature we have and like black and brown people do not get to experience that because mm-hmm. what, like those things are not created for us. Right. Like the Trinity, Come on, like there's so much we could be doing for us that like they're fighting over. And I'm just like, oh, my God, like we could actually bring the the city together if like the, the Trinity was invested in a way that brought folks together. But, you know, um, I see examples of Trinity grows and I'm like, that's not it. Yeah, <laughs> that's actually not it. It's not. Man, my grandpa lives right up the street from where we are. And just to see Bishop Arts in the way that it's even changing so quickly like I, it makes me fearful of what's going to happen to his neighborhood because he's just up the street yeah um and they're knocking on like their that. doors every day yeah. asking them to sell i'm I sure i bet and um it <sighs> shouldn't be that way like we should be able to have access to those things and not be fearful that when they come that that means that we have to go mm-hmm. and so i yeah i so much of my vision is like trying to bring those things together and when i think about even like the political part of it i think influencers and innovators and cultural culture like trend folks should be at the forefront of creating that and when i think about uh running for office like i want my campaign to be folks like you all Mm. like at the forefront of it innovating and creating what needs to happen not only in the vision of what we want for this city but what like should like what can engage folks politically in these things because it matters like our folks need to be at the table Mm -hmm. um in ways that they feel like they're being heard but also that they get to make the decision right that they manage the direction of what their life what their families what their you know the generations after them will will be able to benefit from or live in or even just simply have access to it's it's not this this inherent need for control of everything it's just this controlling of what i want to do with my life and not being you know and having the freedom to do so exactly and then also like not even just 
about getting folks to be engaged. I would say this movement, because everything I do is about like movement building. Like it shouldn't just be one person at the forefront of something, but like bringing your tribe. But like I want the tribe to run too, right? Like Mm -hmm. folks who probably would never see themselves like, no, actually you deserve to be a city council member because what you grew up in this neighborhood and you were the person that was like Mm. creating the economic stability here. You were the, the, the big mama that held it down, you know? And um, like, that's the type of city that I envision and not one where people are groomed and like prepared and they're like all about pro business and what you say, like the elitist part, so much of our city is about the perception mm-hmm. and not about the reality. Right. And there's a huge disconnect because of that. And you see it economically with the divide Absolutely. of the two cities. Definitely. A tale of two cities over yes. here. That is, that is, Ooh. that is Dallas. So my second to last question mm-hmm. is how, do we get people to recognize their power Mm. as individual not even just in this not your professional world but even just in your personal self it's a blending of both and all these things are both in my opinion i guess the personal is political absolutely absolutely um how to get people to recognize their own power I'm trying to think what do i do for myself because i have moments where i feel powerless Mm -hmm. especially in this work Mm -hmm. where like Right. You don't have power sometimes. Right. Um, I think it's about being in the present and like acknowledging that you're still here and that we all have a story. Mm-hmm. And because of that story it has shaped and made who we are to stand tall and be everything that we are in this moment. And I have to remind myself of that because like I gave you pieces of me, but there's mm-hmm. like so much of my story that has told me that I'm powerful. And so in the moments where I don't feel powerful, I was like, remember when you survived this? Mm-hmm. Or remember when you were able to push past this? Or maybe when you remember when you healed from this? Mm-hmm. And um, a Mercedes that is like still becoming whole in herself has to remember that those like hard pressure points, broken parts of me have made me this very unapologetic person. Mm-hmm. Um, and I just believe that everyone has a story and it doesn't have to be the hard knocks, but it just has to be about how you are able to wake up every day and put your feet on the ground and say, actually, I can do this. And so I'm trying to live more in the present and I think more people should do that um, so that you don't get anxious about something that you can't control in the future, but like in the moments that you can. And, and you can do that literally daily. And so I have to remind myself of that. <sighs> beautiful see i hate that we're kind of on a time crunch because there are so many areas i did not <laughs> dig into like i would want ha- i would have wanted to yeah. um so my last question is going to be super loaded with like 15 things um what i just this is very simple we already asked you the dreams the hopes what are you up to right now right now. as mercedes because i know you saw you hung out with solange you might have just been <laughs> on did you not were you when? not in a video oh, I, yeah i was in a music video uh-huh look all <laughs> quiet hush hush you did oh yeah that, that's right that little that's project right. or whatever yeah, i barely made it look you were still involved though that's i did super i got cool. to dance with her and then the you've rain. also been working on like mental health stuff I and have. all that. like tell us more about this as we're closing up what and- am i doing um yeah mental health um has been extremely DJ, important what's your name dj plexus See, just give it to me okay okay um yeah so mental health has been a huge thing for me um over the last uh year um just one i did a ted talk in december of 17 no uh november of 17 and um 
I just ripped open all my childhood wounds. Mm. And because of that, you know, I was like just open. It was just like walking around open, mm-hmm. just like, woo. Yikes. Girl. <laughs> they were just airing out. Just there, right? And just reliving a lot of things that uh, trauma suppressed for me wow. uh, over, I would say, like the past two decades. Mm-hmm. And so therapy was ex- has been extremely important to me, and I was – going weekly and it's just changed to two weeks because like i'm i'm healing mm-hmm. like it's isn't working. that a cool feeling yeah like. i always get scared i'm like no not yet don't let me go yet okay it's fine <laughs> no but i'm it's it's i'm healing and um a part of my healing is um this political part right like so much of the work that i do is about pushing back against power and then power reminding you that i am in power and so mm-hmm. i have these moments where i'm like we're never gonna win even though you know, when I'm with like different organizers, I'm like, I believe that we will win and we do our chant. But then I'm like, but are we? Mm-hmm. And so um, my outlet right now has been um, DJing and um, really trying to find myself again and finding that voice that I had when I was in college, when I was not afraid to just like look an administrator in their eye and say, no, we're not paying for that. Stop raising our student <laughs> fees or, you know, no, you're going to vote for same sex homecoming couples. Like, yes. like not like going back to that. And so um, my DJing piece has been um, one practicing because it's it's I didn't realize how hard it was. <laughs> I it did is. not realize that. Yeah, it's not. It's not. I a was walk in the like, "Oh, I can do this!" And then I was <laughs> like, "Ooh, the catching the one, two, three, yeah. four. Got it. Okay, beats. Got it." Um, Just use a sync button. No, <laughs> that is not what I was taught by Stop. Jay. There I'm are glad. people that do rocket. No, yeah. no they did out. not teach me that. Shout out rocket. Shout out for the nope. DJs. Yeah, keep spinning DJ Academy. That's oh, where word. You Jay Clear. Shout yep. out to the homie. Jay, okay, Jay was my coach. Um, but I remember when I said I wanted to do this, I was like, oh, I need a name. And I had a really whack name. I'm not going to tell you what, what it was. It? Oh, no, 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 no. no. You got to tell us. No, because like, if I, I told run, them my people are going to try to pull it out on me. I don't oh, have time for that. Okay. That, of all these things you shared, that's the thing that will bring you down? Your <laughs> no, it won't bring me down. It's just I don't want to hear it like, on the interwebs. taco fan. Literally two people. All right, right. Oh, yeah. I love tacos. We should like remember that. Uh, but no. So um, I remember thinking I really want like a really good DJ name and one that's like rooted in where I want to be, where I see myself. And um, there's a group called Oshun. Have you heard of them? It sounds familiar. Why do I know this? Two black girls. I we, okay, I have seen them. They took somebody took pictures of them or something. Yeah. Yes. So Oshun has a song called Solar Plexus. Um, um and really quickly I want to be sure to look up the lyrics because it's really important. Yes, got to get um, the words right. Yeah. So and it's it's actually literally what sparked the name for me. Um and so it says uh There it is. Okay, from you from your root to your crown, let your center shine bright and reflect the light, your solar plexus shining brighter than your necklace. And so they repeat that and they're literally talking about how your solar plexus is your light and um not only like you showing up confident and like being who you are, but when you're in tune with your chakras, like no one can stop you, right? Like all they will see is this light and it should shine brighter than whatever mm. else you're wearing. And so I was like, "Oh, man that's what I need to get back to like there was a moment in my life where I was shining and happy and like was one with myself and so not only doing Reiki healing and understanding chakras I was like I'm gonna name myself DJ Plexus 
And plexus for me is around the sacral and solar plexus. And um, each one of them hold, um, I want to make sure because this is being recorded that I got it right. <laughs> so give me a second. You're fine. Because, you know, there's folks out there like, no, nope, that is not right. I'm, Actually, listen, I make mistakes here all the time. It mm-mm. is okay. I got to get it right, though, because I can't be out here like saying stuff. Okay, so I named myself DJ Plexus because it's solar plexus and your sacral plexus. Your solar plexus is your upper ab in the stomach area, and then your sacral is your lower. So for me, I wanted to get in touch with my solar plexus because it's about your self-worth, your self-confidence, your self-esteem. And the sacral part is your well-being, your pleasure, sexuality, sense of abundance. And I am trying to shift from a mindset of scarcity and into a mindset of abundance. Mm. And so with music, music has always brought me joy. Like anytime I felt down or out of it, I would go to that. And so the plexus part for me is getting in touch with those two chakras in hopes that through DJing, like my light can shine shine again in ways that um, root me and ground me. And chakras are very much so about rooting and grounding yourself and like self-love. Um, and so I want to not only create that through music, but I also understand music to have vibrations and frequency mm-hmm. and all of those things work together. So if I can study and understand that to where I can create communal space for folks to experience affirmation and positivity and joy and healing, like I want to be um, a vessel for that. But in order to do that, like I got to I got to get myself together. Mm-hmm. And so that's part of the healing process. And um, that's my balance. Like I've had moments when I'm working where I'm like, this is not helping me. This is not working. Close my laptop. Well, not close my laptop, because at this point, I'm like pulls out controller, <laughs> starts practicing. <laughs> and like it has brought me so much joy in the moments where I'm like frustrated with my own work mm. or frustrated about something in my life. And I'm just like, OK, let's practice. Um, and so, yeah, I've been doing that for Four months now. Yeah, I started the academy in January. Nice. Cool. I finished last month, and so I've just been practicing. And um, you, should, you follow me on Instagram, but I'll I have do. moments where I'll, I'll like put some of my clips on there and my, my mixes, yeah. and I get super nervous. I'm like, so dang, what? Oh, this is not good, but I'm going to put it out there. And people are like, this is great. Yeah. <laughs> and I'm like, wow, like I'm doing something. Uh-huh. And I'm like making some the magic. The creation process. It's happening. It's beautiful. Yeah, and so... I'm doing that. I'm living a, a very, very, I would say, thriving life. My dog. Aww. Yeah. Shout out Baldwin. Yes. Um, Named after the great, I'm yes, assuming. Yes, absolutely. <laughs> absolutely. Um, yeah. James Baldwin, in case you didn't yeah. get that, y'all. I've had people be like, Alex, why? <laughs> why, actually? You're like, I really what? like 30 Rock <laughs> and Beetlejuice. <laughs> like, why? Why would I ever? That's weird. Um, so, um, that is funny. But no, life is good. It is It is on a path of, yeah, this life for me is healing. Oh, and I'm in my Saturn return, mm. 29. Um, Saturn return is Tell a thing. More. I know Rafa's about to make fun of me. I'm not. Why? Why? Why would I ever? Uh, really? Like, why? Because anytime I bring up horoscopes and things, he not just it? judges me. <laughs> You're not. And into I tell it. him only God can judge me. I don't judge you for. What it. do you do then? You make fun of me. I just think it's. I, I do think it's funny. I just think it's funny how. <laughs> I just think it's funny how. Um, <laughs> no, I like. I'm like the memes where it's like. Someone will dead ass hit you with a car and they'll be like, it's because I'm a Capri, Capri Sun. Son. Okay, yeah. see why Because it's podcast. true. But no, Saturn Return is literally about you going into your adulthood. And oh, the I've universe, never been here. Yeah, the Just universe kidding, uh, will literally like 
shake you to your core to release like your old habits like things that have been bringing not bringing you down but that have just like kept you back um but also just like awaken you to what your 30s will probably be about and so at 29 the fact that i'm over here like i don't know if i want to do politics anymore i think i want to be a dj that's very sad in return right now uh but that sounds right experiencing breakups and like mm. love life and why don't like we have more time because that's the juice i want <laughs> boop, boop, yeah. get in there like Dang. those things are very much so a saturn return where you're just like whoa Damn. those like, are my human life adult is, things, i'm like though. saturn doesn't returned on me like <laughs> my whole life been a saturn return yeah most people get out of it like 31 at 31 or yeah. Yeah. yeah i done been out the game yeah yeah but um okay. yeah the 20 29th year um, so yeah, a lot of stuff has just been unraveling in ways where like, I'm literally having to face them on. And so, but you feel good. I feel good. Right. Like I'm surviving it right now. What's your, mo- be- what's your biggest mo- motivating factor every day you wake up? Um, either who inspires you or what inspires you or what quote keeps you going. That That'll we be our get end. free. Mm. That's what, what does free mean? mean? Free, literally having the freedom to thrive. That's it. Whatever that means for a person's life. There are no barriers. There's no constraints. There's none of that. Just having the ability to thrive and show up as your most authentic self. Amen. Without harming others. Ooh, so simple. All right, Mercedes Fulbright. Especially the earth. Not harming the earth. I just did a whole convening with progressive elected officials and organizers around around the state. Mm-hmm. We had a whole workshop on planning for Texas 2050, mm-hmm. and it's because Jesus. cities like El Paso could be 300 degrees. You know, yeah. like it's, I'm exaggerating, but it's gonna be that hot. It's Do you these, know what I'm saying? It's like, these <laughs> really like extreme. <laughs> My jaw's on the cases. floor. Houston, <laughs> yeah. could potentially be underwater, right? But why are we ending on this? Like, give me some. <laughs> Positivity. No. Yes. Sorry. Positivity. <laughs> I tried. Please. I tried I know, to end I with a good one, but now I'm Freedom sad. to thrive. Because what? <laughs> if we can get more AOCs of the world, right? Black and brown indigenous some, folks yes. and access to political power Amen. and the ability to create the communities that they want. And what about power outside <clears throat> of just politically? I was going to say, in creating the communities because that they want. But the thing is, the personal is political. So it's not about it actually is. being in a seat, yeah. but it's actually like showing up For and sure. engaging. So community leaders can have access to political power in a way that, like, your community leader, like, organize your people around something that could sustain your community beyond you know what you see today and so for me that's what that is like the personal is very political everything that we do is extremely political it is dictated by something just in our existence yes literally especially even by black and brown people listening to this podcast like sometimes i'm like i'm saying a lot or i even joked the other day because i was like uh my taxes were kind of messed up they gonna find me because clearly like that's who they want is the people constantly questioning the system constantly pushing against whatever they want uh john cruzeau is hearing from them right away because he put that out and the next day they were like hell no you know what i mean even aoc right like Absolutely. Obviously, there's some things I'm like, because that's how I feel about every yeah. politician. But at the same time, it's like, I don't know if you saw that clip where they uh, had Fox 4 or someone edited all the clips Fox 4 has been talking about her for the last few months. Of who? AOC? Yes. Oh, and no. it is just they did that miserable. To yeah, they do that to all of them. But it's like, that's how this works, right? Yeah. Recognizing how much power we have in our existence or the fact that Dallas does not vote at all. 
especially our age. And we and early voting is happening right now because this comes Monday. out next week. This Ooh, comes out next point. week. So yeah. this early voting is happening now. Yes. Recognize our power in that. And I'm not saying voting fixes everything, but Jesus Christ, Absolutely if not. you have that privilege, use it. Please, Speaking please, of voting, please. yeah. When will I be able to select the box that says <laughs> Fulbright? We won't do that on the podcast. Yeah. I'm just, I, you don't have Fulbright, to formally Fulbright, announce Fulbright, anything. I would say last Fulbright. time Stacy did this, people got all like, "Whoa, she gonna do something." I'm gonna say it's gonna be in the very near future. Okay. And I'm gonna look to y'all to be a part of it. I'm Boom. ready. Seriously. Get and my the, what you said about does it have to be political? Like, no. But when I think about what you do with music, like that is so political. Yeah. No, for sure. I think I meant more person. so in those institutions <laughs> yeah. specifically, yeah, right? Because yeah, I understand my existence is political. Yes. Or my speaking is political mm-hmm. in a lot of ways. Mm-hmm. But I meant more so in those institutions that, like, for a lot of us, we don't want to serve within them yeah. because it doesn't feel like we're going to fix it yeah. from within. But understanding our impact where we already are exactly. right. and how we move Absolutely. forward from there. Because we, we play a whole lot of places and who owns those buildings. Yes. You know, and how does the music that we bring or the music that we play or the things that we do. And give them our money. Right. Really empower our community. Because exactly. at the end of the day, like... You know that that's still my money. Yep. Like, and how is that? Yep. Yep. Yeah. Capitalism so, already got you by the ear. We need outside folks and inside folks. Let's I go. think I'm gonna play the inside game. Please do. You're so, doing fabulous. I'm just gonna You're do doing it amazing, with y'all. sweetie. I'm do it with y'all. <laughs> <laughs> All righty, Mercedes. We definitely so need much. to have you this back on. Tell us we where do. to find and follow your work. We Ooh. we love you and we can't wait to vote for you. Facebook Mercedes Fulbright One L. Uh, Instagram. Ooh, I'm private on there. Evan knows how I live my life. I love it. But St. Sadie's, if you hey. want to follow me. Um, and then Twitter, uh, Mercedes F. Nope, I don't remember my me Twitter. Me neither. I, I just it like found that. it today. Yours is your first and I last thrive name. on Twitter, okay? <laughs> she, I don't know if you, this is. She, she went the, and found my Twitter because of my this tweet. This is the Eva Arreguin. Oh, I was oh, like, shut how up. do you not remember? It's literally your first and last name. Yeah. No, not mine. I meant yours because you oh, didn't have Oh, one. right. So mine is because I just looked it up and I don't tweet enough, but I have some followers. Mercedes F U L B R T because what? I have a long name and Twitter was like, no, yeah. actually, but it's Mercedes F U L B R T. Instagram St. Sadie's and Facebook Mercedes Fulbright with one L. Follow her. And vote then I'll for come her. Up, I'll probably create a DJ page soon. So. We'll be waiting Boom. for it. DJ Plex. She'll be spinning at the next Decalota show. Hey! No, I'm for real. I we know. want that. So many people have said this to me. I'm like, y'all, I need to practice. <laughs> Teach me. He's playing games. He's more MC, so I don't oh. know how much you no, can No, I am C. No, I know how to DJ. Oh, okay. What we, uh, the Tamayo gang been done had tables since like before 2000. Sorry. But no, like you had, you have, you had great teachers. Jay Clip. I know. Uh, a legend. DJ Rocket. Rocket. Literally my favorite. Yeah. Um, no, but yeah, I mean, it's, it's, it does take a lot of practice, but we'd be happy to, you know, help and then have like, for real, you do need to come rock a show with us. So. Okay. The space is always yours. Please do. Thank you. You're always welcome. Appreciate I really y'all. appreciate. Super um, proud of y'all in this. Stop it. That's Selena. Working. Weekend. We got to work. Nice. Ooh, we got to work. Oh, nice. Yeah. yeah next time y'all do, I'm going to have um, one of my mentees that writes for Team Vogue and Marie Claire. Oh, what? Oh, Slight no, flicks. It needs, to be like a, it needs to be a national thing. Thank yeah, it does. Hey, honestly, we got a lot of love this year. The reason I kept saying that um, is because I think 
214 Selena is one of it's been going for six years which I say is the long uh, yeah <laughs> they're all doing it now though and that's where I'm like I, I kept saying that to each crowd we spoke to mm -hmm. because I was saying recognize your power as Dallas as 214 Selena in the fact that we helped escalate this movement like yeah. Real talk, Selena. Like it, I, I, I claim it. If it wasn't for my generation, like being obsessed with her because of the film, yeah, that energy would have died down. It would have. That's how yeah. it it rolls. And so that's why whenever I always brag about you being in the movie, it's because uh, you're an icon for that, right? Yeah. The film and, like, is okay. Just got, <laughs> the film is okay. I love the movie, Lopez, but how, girl, don't right. talk about Motown <laughs> over there. <laughs> But anyways, there's just so much power we have here in Dallas. And I'm just right. so glad to, to know that and be that and for us to recognize that and keep moving it forward so we can be the thriving city we already yes. are. Yes, because we, we we gather around and support this movement that we want to be a part of. We yes. come together. We're mm -hmm. building a movement. Yes. We're Amen. building a movement. Y'all need to join the squad. Let's exactly. go. Hey. All right. We're ending on that note. You're a star. Appreciate we can't you. wait to vote for you. I'm even if you don't want to run, I'll still vote for you in life. Okay. <laughs> you just tell me what to vote or whatever I'm it is. Best DJ. The, the let's DJ go. battle. Boop boop. Sign. Be check mark. Observer. D magazine. Central track. Go whatever. Off. Oh my God. All right. Well, thank you. Thank we'll have you. to have you back because there's course. so much of your lovely story we didn't hear, and I'm sure there's yes. gonna be so much more by next year that all the amazing <laughs> things you do. Um, so good to have you on. Well. We'll see you again thank soon. You so much. Thank you. Alrighty, so um, upcoming the Colores events, I just want to put a cute little bug in your ear. Um, Pat and I should be um, at the Dallas Theater Center for Real Women Have Curves one day, and we're going to have a little, we're going to be on a little discussion panel. I will give you the dates. We will post them later. What's up on that coupon code, though? Um, actually, we're going to be giving away some free tickets. So for the two listeners... Oh my God! You Tell them to give you a coupon code. We can get a coupon we code. We try to get I'll some people out here. We will. We'll ask for. I'm gonna ask for that. But also, I'm I'm gonna get multiple tickets, not just two. Um, so we can hopefully see y'all. I believe it'll be May 17th, but Pat scared me, and I don't know that that's the date for sure. So I'm gonna have to rework that, and that's why I didn't say it immediately. But it will possibly be that day. Um, so we'd like to see you there. I think that's all we have. The two-year anniversary, it'll happen, guys. I don't know fucking <laughs> when, but I promise we're still thinking about it. Okay. Maybe in the summer. Oh, God. Maybe in the summer. Sure, yeah. Jan. I mean, oh, summer I haven't said sure, Jan, all episode. Am I okay? Sure, Jan. Retweet. Uh, all right. So it is time for our brown business of the week. Is going to be said by the lovely Pat. Go, Pat. So I um, wanted to um, talk about a Caribbean food truck that I re recently tr uh, tried out. <clears throat> I figured with the summertime, I mean, I've, I, have, I can't go to an island to go try it out. So I felt like I should go here. This is the closest thing across from the library. Thanks, Pat. I'm going to go to a food truck. <laughs> Who needs a vacation? <laughs> I'm going to a food truck. <laughs> but it's called Caribbea. Um, they're... It's by two guys named Jay that run it. They have the same name? They have the same name. Oh, my God. Um, I went by there a, a while back because I was like, ooh, Caribbean food. I've, I have never tried jerk chicken or anything of that sort. Um, so one of the Jays is from Granada, and the <laughs> other one is from Trinidad. 
Um, so yeah, they have like jerk chicken and uh, let me see what some of your other menu items are. <clears throat> ah, they have like well, the jerk chicken's like one of the more popular ones. That's why I tried it, and I've never had jerk chicken before. What'd you think? And it was delicious. Did the spices, yeah, were really good. Did it make you jerk? Um, no. I don't know. That sounds really weird. I'm not trying to be nasty. But it it's was spicy, with, so to it's me, with it makes like me black go, ah. beans and rice, and it was so good. And then another thing that they're really well known for is like oxtail. <laughs> yeah, Pat, these are all like Caribbean foods. I, it was my first time. That's why I said I didn't you know. Never had oxtail. Mm-mm. I haven't had it, but I know it's. And they have like curry oxtail. shrimp and like tacos and stuff. But yeah, it was really good, and he was super friendly. Like I told him that was my first one of the J's. Yeah, one of the J's. Well, both of them run the truck. <laughs> Hey, One. if there's another Eva out there, hit me up. We're going to start a food truck <laughs> called the Evas. Um, but I had told him I never tried Caribbean food and that I wanted to try their their food. And he recommended the jerk chicken. And he was like, well, we can't give you a full-size portion, but I'll make you a small one. Like, I'll make you a custom-sized one so you can try it out. So he made me, like, a little small portion. And he was super friendly. And he was like, do you want some water? Let me know what you think, blah, blah, blah. So I just – it's always so nice when us. you Sorry, go ahead. meet food truck people that are – really friendly and all about like their food and like the flavors and like talking to you about it and especially as someone that's never tried it before so really it sounds delicious it where do we delicious. find them so if you go to their website which is caribbeaeats.com they have a um, calendar that shows where are we so lately they've been in city hall a lot like tuesday through thursdays they're there during lunchtime um, but if you click on there they'll have all their um, locations listed um yeah i don't think they have social media maybe they do but yeah try them out lovely caribbean flavors of the islands caribbean or caribbean caribbean food yum i want some feeling hot 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 wow (laughs) rafa knows why i said that michael scott thank you all right so that means it's time for who the fuck you got with the coco? Go, Pat. Go, Pat. Think I'm talking again. Okay. <clears throat> I'm not Girl, sick. we are. This episode long. You better come on. <laughs> um. So I was going to just bring up Gio Chamba because they're going to be at Fortress Fest this weekend. Um. I got to meet them during South By and they're really cool. Like Cumbia Funk Band. They've done some stuff with Principe Q and some people out there in Houston. I think they recently did some stuff maybe with Kuko and Zvani and Royal mm, Highness when I they were out there that. recording. <laughs> so um, I'm really looking forward to seeing them at Fortress Fest this weekend. Um, shout out Luna Luna is going to also be playing there. And Their they new re- song is great. Running is so good. I've been playing it on repeat. Shout out to Pretty Boy Aaron because I haven't highlighted your music before, so here it is. I Aww. really like, I really like his work as, as a producer because he produces a lot with Luna Luna and for other people. And just as an artist, he's a really sweet guy. He is. He's um, great. So yeah, I'm really excited about checking out Gio Chamba live. Yay, yeah. Rafi. Um, I've been. I started listening a lot to this. I think I'm pronouncing it right. Actually, I know I'm pronouncing it right. Lolo Zuai. She's going to be here in Dallas I, on the, May 4th. She's new. Yeah. I so did hear about her. Yeah. So wow. she, she came up on, on the old Spotify. And she's going to be at Three Links May man. 4th. Should we go? Oh, man. I'm out of town. I'm oh. going to be over at Dada with the homie from Shy City, Lester Ray. 
I'm going to try to sneak out Lester for a little Ray bit. Lester Ray was on Latinos Who Lunch. He was. Uh, yes, recently. So he'll be in Dallas, May 4th, Club Dada, Faded DJs, Free 99. Make sure you show up, show out. He's really good. I'm excited about seeing yeah. this. But your who you got was... My who you got is <laughs> Lolo Zuai. Um, it's weird. It, I read somewhere that one of her biggest influences was too short. Great. Same. What? Yeah. Same girl. Yeah. Uh, this French girl came to Brooklyn with her parents and has like this... Man, I don't know how to describe it, but it's trappy, you know, melodic. I need to listen. I have, yeah, it, it's on pretty my, dope. I have it on my to listen to. Yeah, so her I was listening to her album. It's pretty cool, pretty dope. Uh worth worth the old uh listen or the old uh, shuffle on Spotify. She'll Spotify be Spotify shuffles trash. Like shuffle her album. Oh, is that what it's called? No no no. Shuffle play it. I hate shuffle see, I push shuffle, but you don't realize how trash it is. It's so trash. They play the same songs. No, not for me. Oh, That's how see, I find. I saw, the Twitter world agrees with me because we're like when you push shuffle. But haven't it, you said before that you listen to like the same 10 songs? Yeah, I have. And I push shuffle every time. But it's still trash. But isn't it only because you listen you to the same? Can you stop attacking me? Thank you so much. <laughs> That's how I found Lolo on the Lolo, though. Lula? <laughs> Lulu. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't get to do that it. from I'm Bruno sorry. and Louis. I'm sorry. It sounds like an inside joke. It's because yeah. it was on Rafa's damn play, and Pat um, wanted to. Pat's actually sad right now. I didn't get to make it to be a Lulu on one of the last. I'm shows. sorry, Pat. I bet it'll one come day. back, and you can be Lulu. Jeff wants to do something called Bruno and Louis the Multiverse, oh, God. and have everyone like Spider Verse. <laughs> Have everyone that's played Louis, uh, Bruno and Louis, but I'm like, bro, you've only had me playing Bruno this whole damn time. You're gonna be all tired. You're gonna be all tired. But I think uh, uh, Kwame and a few other people are gonna look at playing Bruno. So nice, nice. <clears throat> but yeah, Lolo Zuai. Oh, okay. Who you got? Who the fuck you got? So I think you can make it. Okay, I just everybody. <laughs> everybody hates me. What? Um, I have been watching television, and um. This is not a POC show, but it's fucking crazy. And I need more people to talk about it. It's called The Act. Look it up. Watch it if you want to be disturbed by some mommy issues. Um, more importantly, that's really not who my who you got. My who you got is the show. I haven't seen the whole thing, but it's called Rami. And it's on Hulu. And I'm very impressed with Hulu right now between Shrill and Rami. Shrill is actually pretty good. I haven't gotten into it but I should because it's about a fat fat people, which is very rare. So you're recommending it without even watching it first? No, I just said I watched the first episode of Rami, actually the first two episodes, and I loved it. Oh, okay. I have that on my queue. So you should watch it. I think y'all will like it. It's about a first-generation Egyptian-American who's on his spiritual journey in his New Jersey neighborhood. It's really interesting. It's really funny. Jared Carmichael's an executive producer, Ralphie, so maybe that's why you'll watch it now. Done. See? Um, it's hilarious. I saw something on I really Twitter. Point, though. Hulu still has Futurama, so you know I'll fuck with it. I Hulu's saw something on some Twitter stuff. that said that Muslims were upset because he ends up dating a white woman on there. Um. So that's the episode I'm watching right now. They're, like, criticizing him for it, which I obviously appreciated because... There's a they lot were of like, history behind that. Yeah, they were like, every Muslim um, lead always has to end up dating a white girl, and they were kind of annoyed. So then that kind of... Cause I and that's fair. I haven't made it that far, but they definitely on the show are criticizing him for dating a white woman. Um, so I guess I'll see what happens, but I thought it was pretty interesting what I've seen. 
it's funny and I like seeing these different perspectives from like Mus- a young Muslim person um, as He's opposed cute. to our same old, same old shows that we get. Um, so I was enjoying that and lots of other things. But that is who the fuck we got. That wraps it up for us here at The Colores Radio. Don't forget to share the podcast and follow us on social media. Subscribe and leave us a darn review. <laughs> like go to Apple Podcasts and rate us five stars and write a review for us. We'd love to keep growing, so please share it with everyone you know. If you want us to come out to your event or do something, you can pay us and we can host things and we can do presentations and do more things. We talk about a lot. We care about a lot. We're here for a lot. Um, you can fly us out to your event. We could do that too. You know, we want to, we want to go to a campus and talk about it. We've actually done it and it's actually gone really well. So we don't advertise that much, but that is always on the table. So that's just a reminder. Um, we could not go on without your support. Come out to our events, support our POC businesses, uplift our guests, tell everyone you love to follow us at the Colores Co. If you enjoy our personal thoughts, you can follow me at Eva Arreguin. Rafa at Exile and Pat at Pat.Aragin. Our theme song is Cumbia Anthem by El Dusty. Our audio editor is Retweet himself. Our intern is Daisy Rincon. And we promise to keep growing and providing you with entertaining content and, more importantly, a platform for your voices and work to be lifted. Contact us on social media and email us at TheColoresCollective at gmail.com. Thank you so much again for being with us. Thank you for getting us to two years and caring and loving us and supporting us. We could not have done it without you. Y'all are amazing. We can't wait to keep going. Um, Join us again next time for The Colores Radio. The The Colores Radio. The, the, the Colores Radio.